For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Yeah, good morning to you. This is Jonathan Healy filling in for Neil Prendival this morning. We have got lots to come over the course of the programme. Um, and and we, we will get to uh, an interesting story about Little Nelly of Holy God. And you'll be familiar with the story of Little Nelly of Holy God and everything that uh, goes with her and the miracles that are attributed to her. But it's her final resting place that we'll be talking about. But to the newspapers, we begin, first of all, a washout bank holiday weekend. And I mean, it really is going to be a stinker. If you're heading up to Independence... You better bring a good raincoat. Uh, if you're heading anywhere else, uh, there, there's other festivals on around that are going to be a little on the damp side. Uh, let's put it that way. And, and you're also going to have that wind, which is very unseasonable, that's going to hit Cork tonight. Uh, the Irish Daily Mirror says it's a washout bank holiday weekend. But there are some reasonably positive signs that it's going to get better towards the end of the week. So if you are heading away the, next week, don't give up. Don't give up hope. And, and you know, you only get wet once when you go out in the rain. Uh, front page of the Echo this morning, structural defects report advised demolishing homes. This is an unpublished report from December 2022, which found major structural defects in local authority housing on Newlands Road and St. Finbar's Road and recommended the complete demolition of those buildings. It's really shocking the conditions that some people living in local authority housing are are, are putting up with. Um, These were two surveys outsourced to private firms and a follow-on survey by Cork City Council strongly recommending that the 60-year-old social housing flats be demolished and rebuilt. The internal report seen by the ECHO found structural cracks in each of the apartments. The connections anchoring the roofs were insufficient. The connections between internal and external walls were insufficient. A lack of mortar lack of mortar, the kind of most basic thing in the masonry of half of the buildings. Despite the existence of the eight-month-old report, the Chief Executive of Cork City Council, Anne Doherty, last week visited Noonan's Road and Finbar's Road and told tenants she was shocked by the living conditions. One would have to assume she didn't see that report. Um, on page two of the Echo, appeal for information following fatal accident. This was this crash in East Cork yesterday, which happened on the N25 about ten past four in the morning at it's Bally Edikin uh, near Middleton, a man in his 50s, pronounced dead at the scene. No other injuries reported uh, of that accident. It was an articulated lorry and a pedestrian involved in that. The road was closed for a long time. But you just have to wonder, how long are we going to put up with the N25 and the N20 and the other roads that are out there that should have been bypassed or should have been improved or should have had something done to them that would prevent road traffic accidents. I heard Katie talking about another crash on the N20 this morning. We need to do more. We need to do better. Um, because when you look at roads that haven't been fixed, the same things keep happening. And, and that's what we heard about in County Monaghan yesterday, about the tragic deaths of these two young friends who were on their way to the Debs, Davia and Kia, uh, and they were buried yesterday and there's lots of photographs on the newspapers today. Uh, a, a lovely turn of phrase from one of the celebrants. Kia McCann was touching Glavia Mohammed's hand as though they knew they were off to heaven together. Both victims of the horrific crash were laid to rest yesterday in separate services in County Monaghan and County Dublin. And to see those young girls who would have been going to that Debs um, and, and the happiest day of their lives, as it was described, 
at the funerals yesterday back in their school uniforms. So the confidence, the 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 best that they could be of going to their Debs and their finery. And you're just struck by the fact that these are children um, in their school uniforms and children who have been dealt a terrible blow. And uh, our sympathies go to all of those young girls and, and those young boys who are dealing with un- unfathomable tragedy. Uh, Jim Sheridan, uh, well, he's killing off RTE today. Um, uh, in front, uh, I the Irish Daily Star. Jim Sheridan fears terrestrial television is facing extinction because nobody wants to pay the TV licence. Um, award winner Sheridan claims that major broadcasters like RTE and the BBC will, quote, go. Uh, in the name of the father, director said, it's very sad to witness the death of TV while streaming services are paid billions. Um, the TV licence is down 2.7 million because people are just not bothering. They're barely paying it after everything that's happened in the last while. Whereas the amount that we spend on streaming services was revealed yesterday. 1.3 billion had been spent on streaming services like Netflix and Disney and all of those other things. So, you know, you don't want to pay for RTE, but you've no problem paying for the old Disney Plus. I mean, I'd hate to see if we missed uh, something that happened in the Marvel Universe, not to mention what would be happening uh, on RTE News if you wanted to watch that at nine o'clock. Um, arrears crisis as loans rates for vulture fund prisoners hit 10%. <clears throat> story behind that is that the government and central bank have been warned new mortgage arrears crisis is looming after thousands of trapped borrowers were told their monthly payments are set to increase. Pepper, uh, these are one of these um, loan uh, providers that are on the sharper end of things. They've put up their rates by 0.75% according to Charlie Weston on the Irish Independent this morning. So if you are dealing with Pepper for your mortgage, you're paying rates of between 85 and 10%, which are beyond punitive. Um, and if you're in that situation, you might be in that situation because things got out of hand previously. It's, it's beyond belief that some people can be paying as little as 2%. And others are paying 10% because of circumstance that they found themselves in. And according to them, according to the same article from Charlie Weston, 32,000 borrowers cannot switch between um, their uh, mortgage providers. So there's a whole lot going on there that needs to needs to be dealt with. Um, the Irish Independent then uh, next talks about typical house prices. Typical house price in Cork, €306,000, according to this survey. Uh, if you want to go to the county with the least um, lowest, sorry, the lowest median house price. Have a guess. Which do you think would it, would would it be Cavan? Would it be would it be Donegal? Would it be Mayo? Sad answer is it's Leitrim. If you're from Leitrim this morning, good morning. Uh, lovely county, huge fan of your work, uh, but it's very cheap to live there. A uh, hundred and fifty-one thousand is the average house price in Leitrim. And if you thought that Dublin would be the most expensive, it's been edged out by the Garden County of Wicklow. The average house price there is 425000 Still, bananas money uh, for people trying to get on the property ladder, not to mention the fact we don't have enough properties, but that's beside the point as well. Um, on the sun this morning, singer's body back with family is the banner headline. Sinead's autopsy results within weeks. Sinead O'Connor, um, her remains have been released back to her family following her sudden death in London last week. The London 
Inner South Coroner's Court confirmed an autopsy has been completed. The results will not be available for some weeks and court chief said the results will only be publicly disclosed if an inquest is opened into Sinead O'Connor's death and that is not guaranteed. And I wonder, you'd have to wonder what would be gained from that. Um, having lost Sinead, it is a matter of immense tragedy for her family. We all know how we felt about it when the news came through but do we need to go through the grisly details to be played out in the newspapers or in the courts? I'm, I'm, I, for one, will rather remember what she did when she was with us than worry about how she left us. Um, I'm not sure what it would add. This story caught me by surprise yesterday. I genuinely thought it was a spoof. I didn't think that it could be for sale, but the Connor Pass in Kerry is on sale for 10 million. I know Neil was talking about this uh, yesterday. Uh, There is huge interest in this. It's good value. I mean, if you had 10 million down the back of the couch, I'd buy the Connor Pass. I mean, you could could do what you want with it. You'd own a few legs, go for a swim occasionally, have a few goats. Um, One of the suggestions that Seamus and the team put up this morning, you could put a toll bridge and uh, you could charge people to pass through. I'm sure there's many laws that would prevent you from doing that. But you could do great things. Someone on text suggested that Cork County Council should, for the laugh, buy the Connor Pass so there'd be a little bit of Cork in Kerry just to annoy them. Um, I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm not sure Cork uh, County Council would be in a position to put the £10 million aside for it. Uh, but it, 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 there's big pressure on the state to, to buy it and to return it to biodiversity. I think of all the things we talk about wasting government money on, I don't think it would be a bad thing if we spent ten grand on the Connor Pass. Um, the boom is back, baby. It's the front of the sun this morning. This is a brilliant story. Um, Heel of Fortune. 700 euro shoes dumped in a bin at the Galway races. A 700 euro pair of high heels found dumped in the bin at the Galway races. Security staff spotted the pink, and I'm going to say this slowly because I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Manolo Blanik. Is that it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm clear he's giving me the nod that that's some way close to it. Uh, they were found thrown out by the owner's boyfriend. Um, she then shuffled off in her bare feet. One punter said, the boom is back. Now, apparently these these uh, shoes, they look incredibly uncomfortable. Uh, pink, they're a bit scuffed around the edges. They might, it mightn't have been their first outing. Let's put it that way. Um, but they were, seemingly the boyfriend was handed the shoes by the girlfriend, and he threw them in the bin. My running theory on this is that she will have woken up the following morning, turned to him and said, have you got my shoes? And he will have had to come up with some excuse how she lost them herself while at the Galway races because he won't want to admit that they're thrown in the bin. If she reads The Sun, he is in serious trouble. Uh, Donald Trump pleads not guilty to conspiracy. Uh, uh, That's the front of the London Times this morning, a picture of a very grim-looking Trump coming down uh, the steps of of his private plane. An unusual thing, it was a bit of a blustery day in Washington yesterday. One of the things about Trump, he's a big control freak in many ways, and he normally sellotapes his tie down so that it doesn't fly around. He forgot the tape yesterday because the tie is flying everywhere. It's, I think, less of him anyway. I don't know about you. And And uh, finally this morning, um, Beyonce has personal toilet seat flown to gigs. Hmm. Beyonce has her own toilet seats flown to each destination in her world tour. The Superstars singers team has to ensure she never sits on one 
that has been previously used by anybody else. Our exclusive, this is the Sun's exclusive, backstage photograph shows one container, part of her huge luggage haul ferried to every concert labelled Beyonce Toilet Seats. I mean, it's a bit of a giveaway, really, when it was written on the box. Uh, a source said, those cursed sources, Beyonce is such an elite performer, she can literally request anything. Her team makes great efforts to ensure she has her own comforts and a personal toilet seat happens to be one. I mean, it is holiday season and, uh, you know, people in Cork like to bring a little bit of Cork with them when they're going on their holidays. I don't think there is anyone listening right now who would go to the extreme of bringing a jack seat with them if they're heading out abroad. But is there something that you would bring with you? Is there something, have you a rider going on holidays, whether it be a bit of Clonakilty white pudding or something that you need to bring with you when you're off on, on your hollybobs? Uh, drop us a text this morning, uh, 0868104106. The phone number, if you want to get in contact, 0818104106. We're going to talk about little Nelly of Holy God, her grave I mean, it has been vandalised, it has been damaged. We're going to talk about that. And a new campaign that is being launched uh, to move her from where she is to somewhere that might be deemed a little more appropriate. That's next. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Jonathan Healy in for Neil Prenderville on this uh, bank holiday Friday morning. Good morning to you. Um, before we move on to our next topic, we just have to remind everybody, free food Friday. One of the best things about the Neil Prenderville show is free food Friday with thanks to Roosters Piri Piri in Douglas and Blackpool. It's very simple. If you and your colleagues are hungry, you're kind of getting there, the breakfast is wearing off, you're thinking about lunch already. Well, we're going to feed 15 of you and you're going to get the mix of the starters and the mix of the mains and you're going to get the fries and the waffle fries and rice and they're going to throw in the mayo and the garlic piri mayo and, and maybe, if you're good, a bit of a dessert as well. So if you want to have a look and see what they have, roosterspiripiri.com and uh, click on Douglas and Blackpool, which is your closest one. And the very simple thing we ask you to do is tell us who you are where you're working, and why we should pick you. So text or WhatsApp us now, 086-8104-106, 086-8104-106, and we will be going through uh, the candidates for free food Friday uh, as the morning wears on. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. John O'Flynn, good morning. Good morning, Jonathan. How are things? I'm very well. Um, to those who mightn't be overly familiar, who, who is little Nelly of Holy God? Okay, so Little Nelly of Holy God, she would have been, like, uh, originally from Waterford. Uh, she spent some time on Spike Island with her family. Uh, her mother died very young, and they were all put into care. So she went to the Good Shepherds in uh, Sunday as well, when it was up and running. So at a very young age, Little, Little Nelly was saying that she was, you know, getting visions of Jesus, that she knew so much about religion, and, you know, I suppose, <clears throat> it's not that I didn't believe her, but I suppose she was a young child. So, on um, Unfortunately, she was sick, and at her last vision, she said that Jesus had said to her that she must get a Holy Communion before she dies. That's what she said to the nuns. Now, obviously, as you know yourself, Jonathan, back in the time in Ireland, the age for Holy Communion was a lot higher than what it is today. So, the Bishop of Cork, which is Bishop O'Callaghan, he got on to Rome, uh, Pope Pius X, and Pope Pius X believed everything she was saying, and he gave permission for her to get her Holy Communion, and she died a month later. So for anyone that's getting communion, I don't think they realise the importance of what this girl is for them. Now, she she is currently 
uh, at rest in the Good Shepherd's Convent on Sunday as well. But that's, that's not where she was buried originally, was it? No, she was buried originally in St. Joseph's in Ballyfihan. And what happened then, uh, Jonathan, was that, again, people going to visit her grave, people wanted to know more about this little girl who inspired the Pope to lower the age of communion all over the world. So people were going to her gravesite. <clears throat> but <clears throat> also people were declaring that there was miracles happening at the grave. Again, the Bishop of Cork, you know, <clears throat> investigated this, did what he had to do and touched back with Rome and a decision was made that she be exhumed, inspected and removed back to the sun as well. So I think between eight months and 12 months, it's a long time ago, but that's the research I've, I've been done on her over the years. Okay. Um, they exhumed her and she was perfect. Her body never decomposed and she was reburied and the Pope had said this is the sign I've been waiting for, and he believed that that was a sign of a future saint. Now, he did, later on in the years, said that Jacinta, the Fatima uh, children, her and little Nelly were very similar. They had the same kind of spiritual awakeness and so on, and she's a saint already. Now, I have been in contact with the bishops, and, you know, <clears throat> the current Pope, Pat Francis, like, they don't know about her, but, again, you know, we're all hoping in the future mm. that she will be a saint but obviously this will take a long time well, we, we'll, we'll park the sainthood for a minute because there's a much more mm. pressing issue at hand what has happened to the grave of little Nelly oh. ok so I was off yesterday and I was just out doing a bit of hiking and um, I got a phone call and a text message from my friend and some photographs she just happened to go up to visit the grave yesterday she felt like she wanted to go up to visit the grave and the entrance to the grave is all damaged. Um, some railings have been broken and taken away. Um, everything that was on the grave, from rosy beads to you know to photographs of people who are sick and so on, like a shrine, all that's gone. But most importantly, there's a French plaque that was dedicated from the French government to a French family whose daughter was very sick back in the 1900s. They prayed to little Lily, and the, you know the, the, her, the little child um, was well again. So they dedicated money and sent money over to get Nelly's headstone done. But there was a French pack put in there as well, and the French pack has been taken. Right. And, and it, it, it effectively, I mean, from the photographs I'm looking at that you've sent, they, they've been, it's been cleared, really, hasn't it? That there, There's nothing it's left. Yeah, it's nothing left. I mean, there's like, even down to a small thing like a medal, there's nothing on the, on the gravesite. The whole thing has been cleared. I mean... <clears throat> My worry going forward is, and I know like it's not my decision about what happens to Nelly going forward, I'm just promoting her, but what we're afraid of, and I've been on to see her family, notified of the family, the living family of what's happened, we're afraid that there'll be more damage done. It's a direct building, there's no security up there, <clears throat> so like we but don't it's know in a, it's, in, it, it's in a graveyard, I mean, there, there's no denying that this is a graveyard of some kind, I mean, the fact yeah. that something has been taken from any grave in any graveyard has to be a worry. It is, and the thing about it is that there's other, you know, there's a nun's graveyard up there as well, but, like, you know, I wasn't expecting this phone call yesterday, um, but, you know, I suppose since since I found out yesterday, the worry is now going forward is that what will happen and what, what shall we do as a community about securing a place for Little Nelly where, you know, it's a very, very hard place to go and visit even for someone like myself and, and you know anyone that's in a wheelchair anyone that's kind of frail on their feet they can't go visit Little Nelly mm. and they're always getting on to me about that so between that and now this the damage that's been done 
I think it's time now that we all got together and kind of said what's the best thing going forward to secure this. Because it's an amazing story, Jonathan. Okay, John, stay with us because I'll come back to you in just a minute. But Sue Jackson Organ is with us as well. Sue, you are you are related to Little Nelly. I am indeed. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. So how are you related? I'm fourth generation of um Little Nelly, Ellen. And how would how regularly would you have gone to visit the grave or I mean how how aware were you of the story growing up, first of all? Um, well, I would have known the story since I was a child. I would have been given her book um, to read the story as a child. And my own children um, grew up knowing about it. They act, one of my children actually did a presentation in school on how children today, why they got their communion. And it's because of her and everything. He did it um, in school and he did talks and with his teachers and everything. And... So she's a big active part of our family and always has been. And I would uh, regularly, maybe five, six, seven times a year, travel from Waterford with all the family and come go up and see her grave. And we would go up on her birthday and we um, would say prayers and we've had masses at her grave and everything as well. So what's your reaction when you hear that effectively the grave has been cleared, that the plaque is gone and any of the rosary beads or the medals or, or, or anything that was there has been removed by somebody unknown? I'm highly, highly disgusted that somebody could go in to consecrate the ground and desecrate um, um, a grave. And one grave in particular, no other grave, just one grave. And my fear now going forward is that, is this just the start of it? Is there more damage going to be done? Um, are people vandalising it out of malice? Or are they vandalising it to um, take things off it so that they can promote her name and make money off her off the back of her? It's it's hard to tell because we can't we we don't know who has done this. That 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 is the problem. But the fact that it, it would you go as far as to say that what we've seen because the the edge is broken on the grave. You know we've had the plaque removed. I mean, does does this in your mind amount to a desecration of Little Nelly's grave? Oh, one hundred percent. It's desecration of sacred ground. One hundred percent. And whoever did it thought it through very thoroughly because. When the if you look at the pictures closely, you will see on, that the plaque was removed, and there was no damage done to the headstone. So that means they had machinery or equipment with them to cut through those uh, rivets because it, it looks like it was bolted. On, it was, was bolted on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you can see they're clean cut. So they had machinery. So this was taught through specifically in advance. This wasn't a spur of the moment, children up there messing, drinking, whatever. This was taught through. This was premeditated. Yeah, why Why was she moved in the first place, John O'Flynn, from her first resting place to, to the, the Good Shepherd Convent? I suppose back then, um, as the story goes, there was people, you know, getting onto the Bishop of Cork at the time saying that they were going to her grave and they were praying and that they were getting better and a lot of people, even in the modern time, people, I have letters from people that are saying that how their life has changed since they've prayed to Little Nelly. So a decision was, I think back around then, the decision was like, this story's getting kind of unbelievable. They're, we're, we're believing even after her death, she's still helping people. 
So it was the Bishop of Cork and Pope Pius X who agreed, um, both of them, to remove her back to the convent where she where she actually okay. died in the convent. But of course, that that's no longer a convent. Um, it, it, no. it, it's awaiting redevelopment. It's been awaiting redevelopment for a long time. So, uh, like, the, the, what is the status of that graveyard now that it is no longer a convent? Okay, so from my understanding, Jonathan, is that um, developers bought it. They're um, UK developers. They're based, uh, they have a company based in Wexford. And they wanted to open up uh, a reflection garden for Little Nelly. I went to their meeting, I saw the plans. Uh, because of the roads up there and everything else, the latest I have on that was that they can't get planning permission. Now, the latest I've heard about that was about two, a year and a half ago, where a councillor in Cork on the council had suggested that the council take it back and open it up as an elderly village for people. That doesn't yeah. seem to be happening either. Well, no, nothing is happening there. All we know is that the grave no. is, is now in a different state than it should have been. Um, Sue, if I can go back to you, do, do, how do we prevent this from happening again? How do we... I mean, we obviously need to investigate and find out who did this, but... Is is this where you want to see little Nelly stay? No, I don't. And that was the one thing I was never happy once the convent was sold um, first time, not the second time, the first time. I said she shouldn't have been there. I mean, she she was brought back there for a reason because it, um, it was a convent, it was public grounds, and it was um, people were living there and so forth and whatever else. But then when the convent was sold, it was abandoned. And abandoned, and nobody was allowed to go up there and everything. So no, I don't believe mm-hmm. that she should be there. What is the, and, and John, just to you, you might have more information on this than Sue, what, what is the process for removing someone from a grave and moving them to another grave? I mean, is the, we, we had to get the, the Pope's permission the first time around. Does, does, I don't that, think so. I think, I think at the moment, from what my understanding is, is that um, the council and Sue, a family member, will have to get together and some sort of a legal document is signed. And then, I suppose, it's the funding to get her removed. Um, I suppose in the eight or nine years I've been doing research on Little Nelly, I suppose, for me personally, I've always thought, what's the best thing to do? You know, she's a part of Cork. She's a part of Waterford. Her mother is buried in Cove on an Amart grave. Her father remarried again, and he's buried in Abbeyside in Dungarvan. Her two brothers are dead and buried in England but when little Ellie's sister Mary died she got cremated in England and her ashes is actually in that grave as well okay. so as a story in life they were all separated and even after life they're all separated so for me I could not always say like I don't know what where little Ellie should go I think she should be removed to somewhere where it's safe and where somebody in a wheelchair or someone that's you know elderly uh, yeah. if they do if they do want to, to to pay homage or whatever that they can get the opportunity to do that finally sue to people who are listening right now who may know what happened who may know what where that plaque has gone or who has done this what do you say to the person who has done this uh, to little nelly's grave i say shame on you shame on you and if you have any bit of a conscience you will either return the items to the grave or you'll hand them into a garden station. And if, if you can do it anonymously if you if you want, if you don't have a conscience to own up to it. But shame on you because that grave is over 100 years old and for this to happen 100 years on is despicable. To, not just to her grave, but for it to happen to any grave 
that anyone that could do such a thing. And in relation to where Lentinelli should be um, placed, I believe her and her sisters should be placed back in the arms of her mother, that she was ripped from her mother's arms. And I have been on to Cork County Council, which John would have known, to try and uh, start procedures to have her assumed. And I've just hit brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And as John knows, I've even went to solicitors. And John was present with me when I went to solicitors in Cork. Now, um, for whoever has damaged that grave, um, just to let them know, it has been reported to the Gardaí. And I'm meeting with the Gardaí on Tuesday in Garnabrana and to make an official okay. statement and it will be investigated. All right, well, Sue, hopefully you'll get to the bottom of it. Sue Jackson Organ there, um, the grandniece of Little Nelly uh, and John O'Flynn. Thanks very much for joining us this morning, both uh, on the line. If you want to just take it at its most basic level, this was the grave of a person that has been desecrated by somebody. We don't know who it is. Um, whether it was malicious intent, we don't know. Whether it was somebody who went in there, as, as was suggested there, perhaps to sell these things on, which is very macabre. But every time, I mean, for me, it doesn't matter whether you are of faith or whether you have no faith, a grave is sacred. And for anyone to do that to a grave makes absolutely no sense. If you do know something, do let us know. But uh, if you have any stories about little Nelly of Holy God from when you were growing up or indeed to someone who believes they benefited from her, let us know. Uh, 0868104106 is the WhatsApp number. 0818104106 is the phone. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yeah, keep the message coming in for Free Food Friday. 0868104106 the WhatsApp. Loads of you good hungry people out there this morning. So keep the messages coming in. Jonathan Healy filling in for Neil Prenderville uh, this morning. And uh, let's go back to talk about that front page of the Echo, which was the uh, the buildings on Noonan's Road and St Finbar's Road. And Neil talked a lot about these at the time. And now it turns out that there was a report in December 2022 that found there were serious problems there. And of course, Anne Doherty, uh, the chief executive, she visited and said she was shocked by the living conditions uh, when she visited there. Tommy Gould is the Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central. Tommy Gould, good morning. Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm very well. Um, are you are you kind of taken aback somewhat that this report exists? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, Jonathan, this is uh, this is scandalous that a report has been in existence for eight months that has highlighted serious uh, structural issues with the Noonan's Road flats, uh, issues with the roof, the walls, and the balconies, and that no action has been taken. None of the residents know this, and the local councillors haven't known this. Like, I've been working with local councillors, and being councillor, a few on the towns who's been raising this issue constantly, and we're absolutely shocked uh, when we saw this report that the seriousness of the report, and that has, has been there for eight months. Like, Jonathan, you're, like, you're reporting a long time for a local authority to have a report that outlines serious structural issues with with apartment blocks and not to act. Uh, there are serious questions to be asked here by the chief executive and the senior management mm. within Cox City Council uh, as why this was allowed to happen. Did, 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 do you think there. that Anne Doherty would have been aware of this report before she went to the flats? Well, I, I can't say this, but certainly Cox City Council were aware of it. This report was done last December. So, like, there are officials, someone knew this. There are people who knew that there were serious issues there. And and 
the chief executive and other senior management went down and met with the residents and never told them that this report was there. So, but I mean, like, I, I, what struck me, Tommy, was that Anne Darty was very genuine in, in what she said to those people. I, mean, I actually remember thinking, looking at that and hearing about it, that fair play to Anne Darty for going out there and for being so honest with people. I mean, one would have to wonder, did she know about this report um, when she was speaking to people? Look, can I say now, the residents up there uh, listened to the chief executive and to the, the, the senior management and they were looking for... I suppose the residents just want to get on with their lives. They just want homes that they can live in. But like, as, as Needle's reported and as Red FM has reported, the conditions in some of these apartments has been deplorable for years. And like, here we have no reports that not alone uh, issues with leaks, with damp, with mould, with these buildings not being uh, good enough, but this report said that these should be demolished and rebuilt. It's actually very clear... This is a damning report on the conditions of Noonan Road. It is very rarely, Jonathan, you get a report that is, like, this is over a 100-page report. Like, this is in a couple of pages. This is a serious report which calls for the demolition of Noonan Road and to be rebuilt and also says there are serious issues. And the question here, Cox City Council, has to answer no for the residents is, who knew this, why this wasn't communicated to the residents when they came mm. out and met with them, and what is the plan? Like, there's a lot of talk about going to central government for funding, but when myself and John Nicolero raised this in the dial four weeks ago, we were told there was no application for funding for Newman Road. And at the same time now, we have a report that says they should be demolished. Well, it also puts into perspective <clears throat> what was told uh, to the residents. I know Kevin from this team went out to meet them last Monday when the officials visited the site, and then they said they were going to report back to them in September about what would be done. By the sounds of this report, the only thing to be done is to knock them. Well, and that's a black and white in the report. That is, that is stated the, the, the only way forward is to demolish and rebuild. And the thing about it here, Jonathan, is there was residents who, who believed the officials and took a fair value of what they were saying. And note this morning, they're reading about this report that was done that outlines the serious conditions. Like, these people have always known this, but did they know that they were bad? And, like, to be honest, I think, why are we waiting until September? We have a report. Top City Council need to act right now. I think they need to meet with the uh, they need to meet with the, the, the residents. They need to publish them this report. The local councillors, all the councillors in Top City Council, because the, the question I'm asking now and what I'm, I'm hearing is that there are other reports out there for other flat complexes in Cork, and the question now is: Is there serious issues with other flat complexes? that hasn't been communicated either. Yeah. So this this is really big stuff, Jonathan. We're talking about people's lives, we're talking about people's safety, and we're talking about officials who knew this for eight months and maybe more, and no action was taken. What, what strikes me about this, Tommy Gould, that, that makes it even worse, is that this isn't something that happened today, yesterday, or last year. This has been ongoing for so many years at this point that 
nobody in the local authority can plead ignorance on this. That, that these flats were in serious bother for a very long time. And what happened then was over the years, like a lot of people will tell you, promises were made. Like I had residents showing me letters from different council officials and different councillors going back 20 years that work was going to be done. So as you said, this didn't happen today or yesterday. But the difference now, Jonathan, is how when you have an official report that was commissioned that the council have, which outlined major structural defects and the proposed destruction, demolition and rebuild. Like, people had known for decades what they were living in and some of the conditions were just horrific. But then to have it in a report and for that report to be hidden and not given to the, the councillors yeah. and to the locals is a, just a really serious questions to be asked here is who knew about this report? Why wasn't this report? Because as you said, the council officials and the chief executive were out with those residents last Monday and not a word was this. Yeah, I have to say it, it, it's really remarkable and I'd love to know what other reports are sitting there Tommy Gould, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central thanks for joining us on the Neil Prendival show this morning and you have to give I, mean, I, I feel like we have to give Anne Doherty the benefit of the doubt that if she knew about that report uh, that she wouldn't have been so fulsome in, in what she was saying to the people in those flats on Noonan's Road and St Finbar's Road it's a story that's not going to go away and, and whatever happens next the people who are living in those flats know that they're only fit to be knocked now, according to experts uh, that were appointed by the local authority. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll come back to this a little bit later on. We're definitely going to come back to it sometime soon. Keep the text for free food Friday coming in. Uh, we'll let you know who is on the list to get that food from Roosters Perry Perry next. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Hey, Jonathan Ely in for Neil Prendival this morning. We'll get to those texts in just a bit. But I want to go uh, first of all to North Cork. Magellan Noonan, good morning to you. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very good. Now, nobody wants to think about going back to school yet, particularly the kids. Uh, it's still August and they're, they're hoping for sun. But you're being given a lot of anxiety over the school bus. Absolutely. Uh, the saga continues um, and it's been going on for the last number of years. Uh, five years now, I think, from what I hear from other parents. But it's my first year that I've had to deal with this, unfortunately. Um, lots of calls, emails all over the summer, um, anxiety, um, you name it. My son is going into a secondary school in Mitchellstown and he has no school ticket for the bus. So, to put this into context, because, look, people who are listening to us in the city, they, they don't have to worry about this. They can they can cycle or they can get the, the regular bus service or whatever. But for people living in the county, and I include myself in that, the school bus becomes particularly important. So, how far away are you from the school in Mitchellstown? So, from the school in just, sorry, now just bear with me. I have all my kilometres written down here. Now, you don't have to be too accurate now. I'm not going to give out to you if you're a few metres off. <laughs> So from um, my house to Mitchellstown is 17.8 kilometres. So you're not going to walk it and you'd struggle to cycle it? Absolutely, yeah. So has he any other choice of going to other school? I mean, presumably you're going to Mitchellstown school for a reason. Well, he's going there because uh, all of his friends are going there. Um, We have a local school. I don't want to mention any names. 
Yeah, well, that's fine. Um, no, no, there, there's all, I'm not going to criticise you for going to a particular school, but there's a bus that yeah. could bring him there, is my point. Yeah, so, like, we live in a little village called Chandelimore. Um, our feeder school is seven kilometres from here. So uh, what we're being told is that basically our children have to go to that school and they don't get a choice what school they want to go to. Yeah, yeah see, I, I've come up against this as well uh, on the school bus, and it's very much decided by a computer and the school bus that passes my door brings my children to one school but technically the other school is closer so therefore I I was told initially no, 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 no you can't go to that school and you have to fight it and you have to push back and eventually someone goes all right, we'll put you on that bus so you've gone through all of that process have you? So yeah, so I've gone through all that process so um, originally back in March, April, I contacted local councillors, myself and a few other parents. And what we have been asking is that we try and get a bus from our local village in Chamblymore into Mitchelstown because there are 22 students from the Chamblymore locality travelling into secondary schools in Mitchelstown. And how many have so, been refused a place so far? So, so far from the Chamblymore community, there are eight children that don't have a school bus tickets going in in three weeks time and how much pressure is that putting on you and more importantly your son because the change from primary to secondary it's not easy at the best of times so how much of how much is this adding to the anxiety in the house so it's terrible um like he's 13 years of age he's a quite large um same as the rest of the children that are going to secondary school it's a huge transition i'm trying to explain to him that i don't have he, like, he doesn't get how come he can't get a bus ticket when all of his other friends going into first year have one. He can't understand it. So, um, but again, coming back to this, he, he's starting school anyway, so if he doesn't have the bus ticket, have, have you a plan B? No, I don't have a plan B because my husband is self-employed. He works very long hours. I went back to work a year ago. I work part-time. I work 30 minutes in the opposite direction of Mitchellstown. Um, so I don't know, and the other parents don't know how we are going to get our children to school. I know the issue occurred again last year, and the parents sent the children on the bus from Kildare, and the inspector arrived twice, and the children were kicked off on the side of the road with no transport into school in Mitchelstown. Now, the next question is, do you know if there is space on the bus? Because that it normally comes down to this to say, the bus Aaron have sent us a big... Long statement. Uh, and effectively, they go through all the rules and everything. And if you fall into the category where you should be going to one school and not the other, if there's space on the bus, they'll accommodate you. If there's no space, you can't. So is there space on this particular bus? Um, according to the email that I got from bus Aaron last Wednesday night, it's, I have the email here in front of me. If you like, I'll read it out to you. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So I refer to your application for school transport on a concessionary basis for your child. The service to which your child is allocated is now carrying its full complement of pupils and unfortunately we are unable to offer a seat at this time. It's a lump off, effectively, is what they're telling you. So, yeah, so there's no room. Now, there's also children in Kildare as well that haven't got their bus ticket yet. So some people have gotten it. One of the local councillors has told me that this is like a random lottery. Like, literally, your name is picked out of a hat. So you're either lucky or you're unlucky. So you're, you're kind of stuck in a situation at the moment where you don't know if you're going to be able to get a bus seat for your son. 
and as a result of that is putting pressure on you boss Aaron has said nah it's not happening so where, where do you go next Magella? I don't know this is why I'm on to you this morning I'm wondering have you any insight as to how could anyone come on board I'm, I really don't know I don't know where to go from now and you've done the, have, you, have you done the political thing have you gotten on to the councillors the TDs the usual bits and pieces you can do uh, absolutely yeah we first contacted um, the local councillors back in March, April, because we thought that we were being very clever and we were getting ahead of the party this year and that we would have everything organised rather than come the morning, they go back to school the 29th of August, that our children go up to Kildare and they can't get on the bus. So I thought, yeah, don't worry, we'll all be sorted this year. We've given them plenty of time to work on this, but nobody can give me any answers. Yeah, this is a perennial problem. It happens every single year and it normally gets straightened out somewhere along the way, but it hasn't been straightened out for you. If someone has gone through this before with Bus Aaron, um, they might drop us a text uh, to 0868104106. Magella, leave it with us. We'll see if there's any of the collective wisdom that is out there uh, amongst the Neil Prendeville uh, listeners who may or may not be able to shed some light on that. But it's so stressful for parents and for kids it's bad enough having to go to school for the first time but then to find yourself in a situation where you don't know how you're going to get to the school uh, let us know if you've been there before and you can help her out now the Neil Prenderville show Red FM the number one talk show in Cork if it's happening in Cork Neil is talking about it the Neil Prenderville show on Red FM yeah, and lots to talk about uh, on the programme this morning. We have got a huge amount uh, of people getting in contact with the programme. Free Food Friday. Uh, well, we've got uh, uh, lots of people to get in contact with us. Uh, we have got a thank you from last week's winners to begin with. Lads, we want to text you and say a huge thanks for Free Food Friday last week. Uh, it was absolutely delicious, which is good to hear. Um, and uh, we were delighted to win. That's And we shared it. You shared it. Don't be sharing with it. There's, there's no need to share. Um, because, it's let's face it, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's for yourself. Um, so anyway, with Lads Barbers uh, got helped out from Jordan and all at Tales in Tubbs Down Group, dog, dog grooming in Douglas. So well done there. Um, hi, Red FM. Please give a shout out to all the lads in GRP Roofing Supplies Ireland in the Tremore Commercial Park uh, out on the Tremore Road. So thank you very much and good morning to you there. Um, Grace from the Coach House Cafe, Blarney Castle. Very familiar with it, Grace. It's one of my local stomping grounds. We think we should win free food Friday as we listen daily and we're also determined to win the cash machine. Um, one might be easier than the other. Uh, we would love some free food to get us started ahead of this busy bank holiday weekend. Ella loves roosters. Good morning, Ella. We will do our best for you. Free Food Friday shout out to Craig and the group at Pat McDonald Paint on the Commons Road. How you doing, Pam? Uh, to Craig and the lads there. Uh, Angela Mackesy says Free Food Friday giveaway should go to the radiology department at the Matter Private in Cork. Come and nominate the ground floor staff at the Haven Bay Care Centre in Kinsale who look after my Francis, uh, my mother, Francis Kearney from Bandon. Thank you, Amanda. Just the ground floor. Not about the rest of the floors. You're kind of ruling all them out, yeah? Um, can I nominate uh, AOC Commercials and Carrie Tool? They'd love it this week, ahead of the long weekend. Um, Castle Jewellers uh, on Castle Street, they'd love Free Food Friday. Would be a treat. Thanks, Jonathan, they say. Stuart in Jim Crowley's Craft Butchers in Middleton here. We would love to treat the team um, to show them some appreciation for their hard work in winning a five-star award from the Irish Butchers Guild in the recent barbecue display competition. 
Well done to them. And uh, one more. Hi all from the patient admissions at the South Infirmary uh, Victoria Hospital. We'd love Free Food Friday to start the long weekend. Um, we would love all the food from Roosters. Uh, we would very much like to have it, says Colette. So uh, Colette, we'll see what we can do for you. All those names are in the hat. We'll announce the winner at the end of the programme. John's on the line. Good morning to you, John. Hello. How are you, sir? Not too bad, thanks. And yourself? I'm good. You texted in to say Leo Varadkar needs to stop on about the speed cameras. What do you mean? He, all, all that Leo Varadkar is interested in is making more money, collecting more money from the people of Ireland. We have roads in a terrible condition. I drive the Cock to McCroom Road and around Fermanagh's where the traffic core are stationed, well, they were stationed there anyway. They put up road barriers there and left the holes you could, you could get a garden pond into some of the holes in the middle of the main road. Now, I'm driving that road, and there's people swinging out, which I don't blame them, but they're by the holes, but they're swinging into the lane of traffic that I'm using. So w- which road is this, John? That's the main McCroom to Cock Road. So not, not the bypassed part, is it? No, no, no. The bypass is new at the moment. That won't have holes in it for another three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, to build, that to build up to them, obviously. Uh, but So what you're saying is people are swerving to avoid the pothole, but that's putting them into your it's, lane. It's like you have young people there with cars. And, well, young people, I, I'm an older person, but like you, we have to do a test every year on our vehicles. And the vehicles are in bits underneath. I know mechanics, and they'll tell you the same thing. Every giant in my Jeep is described from year to year by those potholes. Now, I'm not talking about uh, slight patterns. I'm talking about deep patterns when you're going to it. It, it shakes the whole vehicle. Now, young people will not drive into them, so they'll try and escape them, and they're driving over and crossing into, onto our side of the road, if you know what I mean, if you're going yeah. against them. And I, I, look, so, I, I, I've been that soldier where I've seen someone doing that, and, and I've nowhere to go. So like, what was going through your mind when that happened to you? It's it's all over the place. Uh, he came out this morning then with the Leo Varekas news. He's going to put on more speed cameras again. The guards can't do. They can't keep the peace on the streets of Cork because they're so exhausted from the hard work that uh, they they won't even take the extra money for overtime now. And still they can sit in their cars on the main roads catching us. It's easy money, easy money for the, the government. Well, I think that, to be fair, it isn't the guards. They're not going to be putting guards out with speed guns. They're putting the, the go-safe vans. Um, yeah, the, 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 guards, the guards will be there as well. Yeah, the I, guards I will be there the as well, yeah. I drive the road every every day nearly, and I know what's going on. They're in for easy money. They're not... They're not, they're not the security of the state isn't on their mind at all anymore. It's just... Get in easy money. Fine us a hundred and fifty euros or whatever it is, and three penalty points. Grand job. So in the docket, stand the dotted line, and away you go. Well, I mean, if now, they were here now, John, what they'd put forward, what they'd say is, we put those vans at black spots where people have been involved in serious accidents and we're trying to moderate drivers' behaviour and make sure that, you know, we don't have another accident in that location. You're saying they should put more emphasis on fixing the potholes than, than putting the, putting vans out. Exactly, exactly, because a lot of the bad driving that I'm seeing is along with the potholes because the people are going to work every day, they know where they are. And I, I, I don't blame them at all for not driving into, into them. 
because you, you'll wreck your vehicle if you're driving to them. If you'll hit them at 60 miles an hour, you're going to wreck underneath. You know? Yeah. So, uh, do, you, do, you, do you ever ring the council and say, there's a particular issue on this part of the road, I, would you mind coming out and fixing know, it? I, I gave up. I, I gave up. I, I had a black gully here. I won't say where I'm living, but I had a black gully outside my gate and anyone they called during all last winter. I was six months and I had to open it myself and clean it out. I'm in a small village here in West Cork. Right. And I took photographs of it to, to, to let them know because the council could very... I, I got on them. They ignored me. I, I wouldn't pay my uh, property tax for ages over it. But I knew that if I was seen doing it, they'd be on to me and they'd summons me for cleaning it out. That's the kind of a country we have here now. Ah, come on, John. They, would, they, would, they wouldn't bring you to court over cleaning out your own gully. Well, I wasn't taking any chances. I know, I know the council well. I, only too well I know the council. The council, I, I, asked, I asked the lad that I know working in the council. I met him one day and I asked him to know would they be able to clean the road. He said I'd have to get onto the office. And you're wasting your time getting onto the app. Yeah. A couple of texts so, on this, John, before I let you go. So one listener says it's pointless having speed vans on motorways and ro- wide roads when all the accidents are happening on the minor roads. I meet people speeding all the time. They barely slow down as they approach, even though there's barely room for two cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another one says whenever there's a road fatality, the RSA blames the driver. It's high time they look at the roads. Most of our national and secretary roads are built on tracks for horse and carts, potholes and bad bends, turns, bad cambers, Poor drainage, just some of the conditions that the roads are in. I do. I do. I, 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 I spent my life, most of my life, working, working on the ground. I know. I know what it is. But like they're just not doing the work. They're not doing the work anymore. It's just collect money, and they don't care. You know, like I've reported things to the guards, and they, they, they've ignored it totally. I don't think that they have the, the power to do it anymore. Anyway, well, it's not the guards' you job know? to fill the pothole, is it? Oh, no, 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 I'm talking about something else there, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's the whole thing. Like, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a pensioner now, and I fear from what I see is going on, because I reckon that in another 10 years, you won't be able to live here. It's, it's getting that bad. It's, it's, it's deteriorating by the week. Week by week, you can see the difference. Mm. And they don't seem to care. They don't seem to care at all, and Dublin yep, yep. about down. You feel disconnected, John. You feel like that there's no one listening to you. The, the, the whole everyone I speak to, it's not just me. No, like life has changed totally, and in, in the last ten years since COVID, actually, COVID, COVID seemed to blow the bulb. You know, everything is COVID now. All right, John. But, uh, Look, th- thanks for bringing it to our attention. Um, really appreciate right. you getting in contact with us. Hopefully, that pothole is fixed and people might know it. I think you've probably done a good bit towards fixing it now by coming on, John, and highlighting. But thanks very much for giving us a ring this morning. We all know what he's talking about. There, there are potholes, and you don't have to be out in a country road. There was one. Uh, just at the end of Fitz's Boring, if people are familiar with that, just at the McDonald's there. And it, there are still cars that will go out. I think they fixed it. But the cars know where the pothole is and they'll still veer out around it to try and avoid it, even though it's been there a while. Um, can't agree with your caller more. It's the roads that are the issues. Leo doesn't see the roads outside of Dublin. And uh, one more WhatsApp that came in there with a, a picture of a lovely pothole. Uh, this pothole, says this texter, is just outside the Earthline's primary and secondary school gates for over a year. Tires have been blown out, complaints made, still nothing done. It's even bigger than it was before. People trying to avoid it, go around it, and then a crash is
going to happen because they're going around it. Is there anyone from the council that can come out and fix it before the weather gets worse? There was a thing that they did in Britain, which I thought was really, really clever. Somebody got Lego men and what they did was they started putting the Lego men into the potholes. So then it looked like it was this massive building site and taking photographs of it and putting it onto social media. It was one way of shaming the council into doing it. Have you got a particular doozy of a pothole where you are? Drop us a text, 086-8104-106, WhatsApp, our text. And we're going to talk about Mary Hospice next. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Jonathan Healy in for Neil Prenderville this morning. Uh, Betty's texted and say, Jonathan, hello. Great to hear you on the radio again. Thank you very much, Betty. Feel a bit stressed now, pressing the wrong buttons, but it's okay, we're getting there. Uh, Tag Rugby World Cup. Jonathan, can you wish all the Cork team at the Tag Rugby World Cup in Killarney all the best. They won their match against Australia. It is the first time this has happened. A bit like the All Blacks when Munster beat them. Oh, oh, up, in, up in Turner's... Or was it again? Was it in Cork Con they beat them all those years ago? Uh, or might have very well have been uh, Limerick, but I'm not sure. Um, let's talk about Leitrim because I slagged them off at the very start because they have the cheapest houses in Ireland. What's up in Leitrim and Donegal yesterday on my motorbike, says one listener. What a beautiful part of the world. It does lash rain up there, but uh, not too bad had yesterday, says someone else, on the grave um, of Little Nelly of Holy God that seems to have had items removed from it and it has been damaged in some way. The council needs to engage with the owners of the Good Shepherd Convent and determine the plans for the site, according to Councillor Mick Nugent. Thanks for texting in, Mick. Now, hi, Jonathan, says another listener. Could it be that the caretaker of the graveyard or someone like that has cleared it? It might be stored in a shed on the site. The, the thought did cross my mind to have everything taken off the grave is somewhat unusual. Um, but it's the removal of the plaque that strikes me as a little bit odd. Um, but we are trying to reach out to whoever is responsible for that graveyard now, the developer or the councillor, whoever it is, to see if we can cast some light on it. And uh, one more. Good morning, Jonathan. Um, hope all is well. Listening to you on Red FM, could you do me a favour? Well, I'll try. Uh, my best friend, Claire Hyde and Dean McMahon are heading to Ken Mare today for their wedding. Will you give them a shout out from all at the Hayfield Manor? Claire and Dean, best of luck. Get married before the rain is the advice I would give you. But if you're down in Ken Mare, there's very little that can go wrong in the world because it's a beautiful part of the world and thanks for your text and the best luck today and in your future lives together uh, to an email at 24 minutes after 10 um, it, this was sent into Neil hi Neil uh, I hope you'll give this fundraiser a mention on your show I know you get hundreds of requests but Marymount holds a special place in everyone's heart we have been fundraising in Thoman Square for many years but Mam died in Marymount in September 2017 and since then we hold the event in her name hence Betty's Tea Party. Mam was a volunteer there herself and very involved in all the fundraising, so this is a tribute to her. I was a volunteer myself for 20 years, reading to people in Marymount, hand massage, daycare and a tea lady. I never once thought that I would be the other side of that door. I'm so passionate about Marymount and all the great work they do and continue to do. They need our support, so your support would be much appreciated. Teresa Murphy, good morning to you. Good morning, Jonathan. Thank you for having me on. Uh, no, and thank you so much for, for organising Betty's tea party. Tell us a little bit about your mum. Uh, well, mum was a volunteer in Marymount for about 14 years. And she was in the old Marymount. And she did the, um, she was a Eucharistic minister and she did the drinks trolley and she loved it. 
Um, but then when they moved to the new Marymount, it was too big. The area was too big for her. So she, she gave up, but she um, she still did the fundraising with all of our, our family. We were all involved in fundraising for Marymount for years. So she continued on with that and loved every bit of it. So then she was diagnosed in 2017 with um, pancreatic cancer and spent her last 10 days in Marymount. But they took excellent care of her. So we have this fundraising all for her. When her time came, um, you know, the, the organisation that she'd done so much to support and to help over the years, they, they were there for yes. her. Oh, absolutely. It was amazing, the care she got. Um, and my brother passed away in um, last November in Marymount and he got excellent care as well. So that's why I feel we should continue to help them and support them so they can support other people like they supported my mother and my brother while they were there. Um, there's something special about the place, isn't there? I mean, my, my own dad passed away in the old Marymount and I'm, I'm, yes. I'm sure Betty was one of the people who would have looked after us when we were there as our family in, in, Probably, in yeah. our time. Um, but it, it just, anyone who's ever encountered it or who has seen what they do realizes the immeasurable value that it adds. Yes, it's 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 unbelievable the compassion and the kindness and the joy they bring to people. You know, people think it's you know such a dark place and sad place, but it's not. When you're in there, it's it's uh, the love and joy that the the staff and the volunteers bring to the patients is immeasurable. So you know that they're comfortable and they get their dignity back when they're in there because they go in with so much pain and because they can bring that under control then the patients get get their dignity back which is very, very important. When you when you tell me that in your email that you, you spend 20 years reading to people what does that yeah. involve? I mean, are they, are they actively listening? Are you reading to them when they are sleeping? How does it work? Um, no, they'd, they'd be a lot of the patients would be sitting up or sitting on their on their chairs, and I'd read the newspaper or I'd read a book, um, a book of their choice, or I'd bring a book with me, um, and I'd just maybe just hold their hands and talk to them, and then we'd read for another bit, and then they'd start talking again, and it was lovely. It was just a way of spending time with somebody that wasn't a part of their family. Really, it was just a volunteer coming in to chat and read. And just hold their hand for a while, really. People, Lovely. people might say, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit dark and it's a bit grim to be surrounded by those. Now, the hospice care thing, it, it's not all about dying in the hospice. And that, that's no, very, no, very important come in, to point that yeah. out. You're in and out getting treatment and getting looked that's after right. and being made comfortable. But, you know, there, there is a connotation around that going, oh, it must be very dark inside there. Is it? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I, the first thing I thought the first time I went up to the old Marymount, because I started up there, I just assumed that it would be dark, but it's not. It's very bright and airy and, uh, say there, there's joy there as well and, and happiness. And because the patients aren't in any, any pain or as much pain as they used to be in, it's, the, and they're walking around and there's a nice cafe there and, they go for a massage and they have a jacuzzi and there's arts and they get their hair done. So it, it's there's a, an awful lot going yeah, on. So for that, you know, all those extra essentials, that's why we do the fundraising yeah, to help them to keep those going. And and it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the likes of you and, and the people who do fundraise. So tell me about Betty's tea party. What are you planning? 
Yes, it's on in uh, Thomas Square, which is opposite the South Infirmary and next to Paddy's Farmers Pub. Oh, I know, I know. know. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, can I tell? Can I? Can I make an admission to you? I may have yeah. parked. I may have parked inside there the odd time going <laughs> to the South Infirmary, <laughs> okay. and I know that probably drives you all mad when you do that. But it was a very handy place to park. It's a very there. handy place. Yeah. yeah. So we have the Cork Light Orchestra. This is our their fourth year playing for us, um, and they. They play from 10 until 12 and we have tea and cake and uh, the ice cream man is coming and there's face painting for the children. So Bernard Wallace is, pl- is playing after the orchestra. So it goes on from 10 until 2. We have spot prizes um, and all my friends come and bake and all their family bake and everybody and all the neighbours come out and help. So it's a great day. What do you think, and it's in my mum's name. I was going to say, what do you think Betty would have made about all of this? Oh, she would have loved it. <laughs> this would be her thing completely. Absolutely. This is what she loved and this is what she... Oh, we may have lost her on the line there. I'm not sure. That that wasn't me for once. Uh, we'll see. Teresa, are you still with us? Are you gone? Because we have to get the t- <laughs> the date and the time of that. So let's see if we can try and get uh, Teresa back on the line there. Uh, because uh, it's it's such a lovely idea. I mean, one of the things that I do every year is I, um, I, I support Marymount uh, through the Marymount Ball, and uh, it's just such a lovely charity and lovely people. Yeah. Tracy, you're back. Thank, thankfully, yes, Ten, uh, sorry, we were just sorry. getting to the the whole pinnacle yeah. of the whole thing. Was telling me when yes. it's on. So it's on on the 26th of August in Toman Square, um, from 10 until 2 with the Cork Light Orchestra. Ex- tea and cakes. Uh, from 10 until 2, the 26th yeah. of August, Tolman Square, yeah. which is down there next to Paddy the Farmer's Pub. Yeah. Teresa, thank you so much and the best thank of luck to you much. and everybody. And thank, thank you for telling us about this. God thank bless you. Bye-bye. 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 Such a lovely initiative and uh, we wish them well. Uh, lots of people still texting in about Free Food Friday. EMH Technical Services wanted today because they're very hard-working electricians on site in Ballancolic and they'd love it for lunch. The complete upholstery centre and foam services on Barrack Street, they're starving apparently starving I tell you uh, and they would love to win because they've put down a hell of a week uh, Bridgewater Homes in Waterfall they'd love to win it as well Denise and all the hard working childcare staff of the Little Hands Childcare and Redemption Road in Blackpool they'd love the lunch you wouldn't have to travel too far because of course Rooster's Perry Perry is down the road from you in Blackpool Free Food Friday for the good people at the Atlantic Flight Training Centre at Cork Airport uh, the Elm Tree in Glanton the Elm Tree in Glanton she you feed yourself there just go into the kitchen. Loads of lovely grub. But, I suppose, a little bit of variety wouldn't go astray. So the Elm Tree in Glanton would like Free Fruit Friday. Feed us up for the busy day ahead, says Helen. And uh, one more. We've got, um, morning Jonathan, we here at Cope Transport in Montanati would love to kickstart the long weekend with Free Food Friday. That's from Sean and Eileen and Jimmy and Noel and all the gang. And all of those people are indeed in the list for that. We were talking about um, the Connor Pass going up for sale and we're going to speak about that in a little while but first some of the text messages that have come in so it's 10 million if you have 10 million in your back pocket you can own the Connor Pass it's kind of a nice deal I mean it's, you can't do much with it you can't farm it you can look at it and it's pretty um, but it's 1400 acres and uh, it, a lot of people are already looking at it uh, Loop says as soon as a foreign buyer purchases it there'll be toll bridges put up I think public roads are public for a reason. Adrian says, no waste of money with the Greens and government. They are costing the state a fortune with their greenways. So I think uh, he's saying the money's being spent in the wrong place there. And Damien, and he did mention this at the start, Damien, I'll name check you as the person who came up with the idea. Cork County Council should buy it to wind up the neighbours and rename it. Wouldn't that be just brilliant if we had the Connor Pass, the Connor from Cork Pass? 
Uh, we could rename it and it would be ours forever. It should be kept as a national park, says Susan, definitely not sold off. But I didn't re- I think none of us realised it was actually in private ownership already. Um, and uh, lots more getting in contact with this uh, compulsory purchase order, says Dominic. The state should take it over, says Catherine. So keep the messages coming in. So we're going down to talk to the estate agent. I don't think I could get 10 million together, but maybe collectively we might be able to. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 818 104 Cork's Red FM. This is Jonathan Healy filling in for Neil Prenderville on this Friday morning. Bank holiday weekend ahead of us. Forget the weather. At least we get an extra day off on Monday and we're all looking forward to that. All of this week, we are giving one lucky listener the chance to win with thanks to Multitrip.com. If you're looking to book your next holiday, you can pack Multitrip.com with all your holiday essentials and for more information or indeed to get a quote, uh, you visit Multitrip.com forward slash IE. Now, all you have to do here is listen to this. There's three artists and three songs from the clip I'm about to play. All of the songs are holiday or travel or adventure related. So have a listen. Come fly with me. Now, short but sweet. And there's three very identifiable songs. There are three artists and three songs. So we need both artist and song. Come fly with me. If you can identify them, you might win our daily prize, which is 250 quid plus a multitrip.com travel insurance policy, their European essential individual cover. Do not ring now. Have a think about it. We'll come back to it a little bit later on. The cute call will come later. Um, but if you want to win that prize, all you have to do, we'll give them another spin because the, the last one's hard. Come fly with me. Um, so we will come back to that a little bit later on and we'll ask you to ring in a little bit later in the programme. You look after making memories. We'll take care of the travel insurance end of things. Back multitrip.com for all your holiday essentials. Right, uh, just to text in, uh, can you advise people there's a greyhound loose on the N20 Mallet Cork Road near the stag. He looks scared. Uh, he has a rope hanging off his collar. I'm sure he is indeed scared. Uh, so do take care in that area. Fairly close to where there was a road traffic accident on the N20 this morning. Hopefully nobody too seriously hurt in that one. We're talking about the Connor Pass being up for sale. Mike Kennedy of Dingle Properties is with me. Mike, I thought this was a spoof when I saw it yesterday, but it's very real. Very real, Jonathan. How are you this morning? I'm very it's, well. It's, it's, very, it's very real and what a spectacular holding to come, come to the market. Um, a, lot, a, lot, a lot, I was just listening to you there earlier on, a lot of people found it hard to believe that it was, it was already in private ownership. Um, and which it has been for a good number of years. Uh, like the vendor, the vendor has has acquired it over the last twenty five years or more. So, j- j- just tell us about the property itself, because it it ain't flat. We know that um, you no, can't you no. can't do much with it. So, what is on sale exactly? Well, what's what's on sale? You have um, like you at the moment. There's 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 thirteen thirteen hundred and eighty seven acres approximately in total there. So what? What you have at the moment, you have uh, there's there's a, a good a good chunk of forestry in it, which is just under 400 acres of forestry, and then the, the rest of it is is the low lying land that you see as you drive over the Connor Pass on your left hand side, um, going down by the lakes, and also what's included is um, Peddlers Lake, which featured in um, in the film The Fields uh, many years ago, and uh, as the waterfall and everything, where many tourists stop on their way over the Connor Pass um, to to take pictures and climb up as far as the lake. 
Right. Now, if I was to buy this, right, if I found yeah. 10 million from somewhere, uh, which is highly unlikely. I heard, I do, of, a big, I heard of a big piggy bank. <laughs> I've, I've been ho- holding on to the confirmation <laughs> money, but the old interest, interest rates aren't as good as I want them to be. Um, but <laughs> if I had 10 million, could I buy this and then close it off and not let anyone in anymore? Well, I suppose. Look, I suppose that that's the that's the, that that is the big the big concern. I suppose the people have like the current owner is, is like he's happy just keeping it for the people and letting the people have have full use of of it and climb up and down to Peddlers Lake and everything else. But like down the roads, depending on who buys, what's to say that they they wouldn't put up a fence? Like if they own it, they, like if you own a property, you're entitled to put up a fence. Um, to seek secure, so it looks like this. It, it could happen. I'm not saying it would happen, but yeah. it is. It is. It is a potential. There's something that could happen down the road. And if we were that way inclined, I know Damien, one of our texters, suggested that it would be a good idea for Cork County Council to buy it. But if the state, <laughs> if the state were to buy it, um, yeah, I mean, ten million, they 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 throw money against the wall for other things. Yeah, like with which it be like the like it would it would it would make a a a a, a lovely national park. Um, I personally feel like because of its location and its scenic beauty. Um, and look, it has gained some amount of interest um, since I listed it at the start of the week. There has been a lot of interest in this, um, both nationally and internationally. A lot of international inquiries on us as well. Um, and, and like it, it's, it's something that look I suppose I knew it would generate a lot of interest when I listed it, but it has uh, far far exceeded all my expectations. The amount of uh, amount of interest that has been shown in us so far. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, again, it, it's it's a beautiful part of the world. Uh, but for, like for consider there's fourteen hundred acres, ten million's good value. Uh, like I I know, yeah. I know ten million is a lot of money, but if that was arable farmland somewhere else, you'd be making a lot more money off it. I'm presuming. Yeah, you would, you would, and like it's, it's look, it's, it's I suppose it's the, the location where it is. It's one of the most iconic mountain passes in Europe, and um, it's, it's known worldwide. So like it's, it's, it is, it is a big, it is a big, it is a big substantial holding, and the, a lot of the interest, as I say, coming internationally is because of that, because people have actually have heard of the Connor Pass from far and wide. So like I've, I've had inquiries from Australia right, right through to, U, to the US, Canada. UK, mainland Europe, there's been inquiries coming from all over on it. Right. I mean, I have to say, I was down in Dingle a couple of weeks ago on on, on me holidays. One of my, uh, I, I refer to Dingle as my happy place. Uh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, as my happy yeah, place yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't try and sell me a property now. Not in that kind of way, Mike. But uh, I have to say, you know, it's it's nice and busy down there. But I, I've seen when I was there, I've seen it busier. Is is it kind of a weird tourism season this year? It has been. Uh, I think what 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 we've seen probably tourism wise here this year is um, a lot less Irish tourism. Maybe I think a lot of a lot of people are still going abroad this year. Um, they went abroad as well last year. Um, I suppose after coming out of COVID and everything, everyone was stuck at home for so long. They said in bulk they've kind of left left the country and gone abroad this year. Um, seeking the sunshine, which is probably hard to blame them with the weather we've had throughout the month of July. But um, that has been a, a very up and down uh, tourism yeah. season, from what I can see as well um, around around Dingletown. Yeah, I have to say, I, I, I thought it was nice that it was a little quieter than previous years. But uh, <laughs> the weather, we could do with the weather. I mean, the Connor Pass comes with the warning that you mightn't be able to see it if you buy it. Uh, so that that's one of the risks that you left to put on there that you normally wouldn't worry about. OK, Mike, yeah. Mike Kennedy, Dingle Properties, pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. We're going to stay with uh, Matters Kerry uh, because we've got Natasha on the line. Hi, Natasha. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well. Now, you are from Cork. 
And your I dog, more importantly, Willow, is a very proud Cork dog, is he? Is she? She is. She is indeed. She's a very proud Corkonian and proud to be a rebel. Right. And what kind of dog is Willow? She's a four-year-old chocolate Labrador. Okay, so now no, no, I'm intrigued now. Chocolate Labradors are a beautiful dog. Um, and and yes. you've obviously decided that Willow has something special because she has been put forward for a prestigious competition that I had previously not heard of. Tell us where Willow is going. So Willow is proudly representing Cork this year for the Nose of Tralee 2023. Oh, right. In the dome with the Ayoshe. Unfortunately not, no. Um, the the results show will be on a Facebook Live on August 22nd through Pest Dishes Ireland, who are the organisers of this um, contest and have been doing so for 10 years in conjunction with Tesco Ireland. Okay, so uh, I, I, so Dahi's not involved. I'm, I'm delighted. I mean, he has enough. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if he, I, I'd slag him if he was here in front of me, but you know, it's not, it's too much going on. But anyway, so this is a completely different thing. Uh, but is it, a, is it a beauty competition? No, it's down to the fact that dogs are so important to everyone's lives and obviously all the dog owners, or pet owners actually, it's a pet competition, it wasn't just for dogs. So pet owners throughout Ireland when the competition was launched this year entered in their hundreds and hundreds of pets entrants and it was down to the votes of the public, the picture that you entered and then the judges then once you got to the semi-final they put through then um, which of the top three dogs from each county got picked to represent their county. Okay, so in other words, Willow was flying the flag for the Rebel County against all the other counties in Ireland. She is indeed, so we're up against 31 amazing other pets, so hopefully Cork will come through with this and we'll bring the crown home for the pets this year. So is there a final presentation? Like, Do they have to perform? Do they have to sing a song, read a poem? How, how does it work? No, no, there's nothing like that. Well, kind of luckily enough, actually, because otherwise I'd be put under severe pressure with her. So, <laughs> to um, mention poor Willow. I know, I know. Even though she she loves she loves doing a lot of stuff, so she's quite happy to to put each paw forward each time. And um, so, at the moment for her campaign, like you can do as much or as little as you want. It it could be solely just on pestitiousireland.com where you go online and vote um, or owners at the moment a lot of them I see them through Instagram are campaigning through Instagram so we have a Instagram page called at Daisy Boo and Friends so that's where we're showcasing Willow's campaign and hopefully over the next few weeks until the 21st of August we're going to be showcasing things we love about Cork so different brands from Cork different walks different coffee shops, things like that where you can enjoy with your dog. Or even if you don't have a dog, you can go, go along as well. I, can, I, can I just point out here, I'm looking at Daisy okay. Boone, at Daisy Boone, she's a good looking dog. You know what, she kind of is, isn't she? Yeah. I don't want to be biased or anything, but she's quite a good looking dog. She's a very <laughs> proud looking dog. She looks like she's going, you, you can trust me uh, with whatever you're giving me. Trust me with the mm-hmm. 10 million for the Connor Pass. And she's that kind exactly. of look about her. <laughs> she really really does and sure like she's going down to Dingle next week for a little holiday so we might just venture past the Connor Pass as well absolutely come here look as I said if she wins well I mean I don't, I don't top prize probably not 10 million just going to throw that out no. there uh, but, but you know you never know you never know you never know <laughs> you but never so know. can people vote can we help Willow yes you can indeed so there's two ways to vote if you're not on Instagram you can go on to pestitiousireland.com 
and there's 32 pets there and you just either search for Willow or you'll come across it when you scroll looking at all the other fabulous pets or you can go onto our Instagram account at Daisy Boon Friends and I'm going to be constantly sharing the link there but up in the bio the link is there to vote anyway so uh, ideally it's voting daily to, to get Cork to have the win we want to get votes in daily so you can vote every 24 hours every <laughs> You vote early, vote <laughs> no, often. No uh, uh, yeah, it's good, just like a good old-fashioned Irish electoral campaign. Natasha, good luck to you and Willow. Thanks so much for taking Thank the time. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having us. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 Red FM. And lots of people getting in contact with the programme uh, on school buses and on potholes. Really, lots of them. Potholes. Uh, John was on to us earlier talking about a particular pothole uh, on the Croomed Cork Road that cars are going out to avoid rather than going into and damaging the car. But as a result, then they're on the wrong side of the road if you're driving towards them. And he's saying it's inevitable there's an accident going to happen and we should stop worrying so much about catching people with speed vans and fix the holes in the road. Uh, Sean, uh, good morning, Sean. Black spots my eye. They have a speed van on the Bishop's Road here in Cove. There's never been an accident on that road. It's far from a black spot. My mechanic bills are always for the suspension, and um, says another listener. Chapel Hill in Clonakilty, I know it. Uh, there was uh, no roadworks there with years. Well said, John, says somebody else. Um, easy money for the government with more speed vans. Um, I travel a lot of roads, says a listener. The ditches, the trees, the weeds are overgrown, making the roads narrower. You can't see the road signs. They're covered with weeds. I've never seen Cork so neglected. That's something that I've noticed a lot in the last couple of months. I don't know whether it's a post-COVID thing or, or what, but road signs being covered by weeds is so dangerous. But that's what has happened. And like I know you're not supposed to go at the ditches from a certain amount, from one end of the year to the other. You know what I mean? There's a gap where you're not allowed to go near the ditches. But you always made an exception for road signs. And that, that hasn't happened this year for some reason. Jonathan, the road coming from the slip road from Carrigaline, where you head westbound or head towards Mahan, um, have potholes that haven't been filled since 2020. And I will bless guess they'll blame the road falling apart on COVID, like everything else, says Declan in Carrigaline. Yeah, that, that's another one where there are issues. Uh, Jonathan says, Mike and Mallow, good morning. Mike, how are you? Your recent statement on cameras in black spots where accidents occur. Absolute tripe! Only telling you what they told me when I asked them about them previously, but okay. I've seen speed vans at the second roundabout as you leave Mallow on many occasions. I've been driving for 30 years. I've never witnessed an accident at this roundabout. However, it's like shooting fish in a barrel as you exit the first roundabout by Mallow train station. It's a straight run to the next roundabout. You could be doing 5 to 10 over the limit when they say caught you. Having been in the US many times, the cops in most states have a simple rule of thumb. 9 is fine, 10 you're mine, says Mike in Mallow. Um, there is a speed camera. And again, I would object to the positioning of some of those Go Safe fans. The one on the new turnpike, if you're heading towards the tunnel, I don't know if any of you have seen that, it's the 30 kilometre an hour stretch and there's a speed van at the bottom of it. And I remember the car driving in front of me, thankfully, had clearly seen that speed van on a previous occasion and I was going, why are they driving so slow? Because that 30 kilometres feels a little abnormal and it's a little bit like some of the roads I've been on, but I was... So it's still doing 20, 25 to 30 kilometres an hour and then I saw the speed van. So was that the speed van doing its job? Or is that, again, shooting fish in a barrel? Good morning, says John. How are you, John? Speed vans and accident black spots. And then there's a cross emoji face, which 
is hard to verbalise. It's the biggest load of rubbish I've ever heard in my life. You often see a speed van just as you're coming into Bandon from Cross Barry past the meat factory. Accident black spots me bum. They saddle us with huge fines, the same as they saddle us with crazy electricity prices, same with insurance and everything else. We are too nice. We should do what the French do and riot until our voices are heard. Steady on, John. Um, we are making fools of ourselves. We are all struggling to keep our heads above water and they keep doing it. Can't understand why we allow it. We work our bums off just to get by. Uh, we should all wake up, says John. Who used the word bum twice in a text message when presumably he wanted to use something far stronger. On the school bus issue, um, tell the woman complaining about the school bus uh, that not taking her son that special needs parents have to drive miles to get our children to areas well outside where we live. She's lucky to have a choice where her son goes. Some of us have no choice. Get on with it. Sort something out like we have to. That's the joy of choice. Sorry, sick of listening to entitled mammies crying. I've been driving 40 minutes each way for the last 16 years with my own child. And I have huge sympathy for you doing that because that sounds like it's a terrible situation that you found yourself in. But this is something very real for another parent and perhaps, I was going to say, maybe a little bit of empathy wouldn't go astray. Uh, good morning with regards to the school bus situation. All our children go to school in our area. We can't choose for them to go to a school in Dublin, for example. If you take a decision to send your child to a school outside your area, surely it's up to the parents they ensure, to ensure they can get the child to that school. This sense of entitlement is so annoying. If a parent wants the child to go to a particular school, take them there yourself. Don't blame the school bus system. How about organising a carpool with other parents? Everything can't be handed to you. Uh, so, not a huge amount of sympathy out there, but uh, others have dealt with this, and if you have dealt with it and it has been successful, uh, do let us know. Joe from Joe's Hair Salon. Hiya, Joe. First of all, to Joseph's Hair Salon, John. I buy. Not a cheaper. That sounds. <laughs> Some of my girls actually. Hi, Joe's. How are you? Said, Excuse me, it's Joseph. Well, Joseph. Clear that up, Jonathan, my jo- friend. Joe from Joseph's Hair Salon. Good morning. <laughs> and I'm now delighted to give you your proper title. The last time I was filling in for Neil, when I also made a mess of all the buttons, uh, you were giving away Easter eggs, um, and it was a part of the campaign that you had, and you got loads of Easter eggs. And because oh, yeah. you're the type of man you are, you're doing it again. Well, what we're doing this year, and we do every year, we collect um, stationery books, not books now, school stationery, because the books are free now this time. Um, we're getting collecting pencils, biros, copies, dramatic sets, um, uniforms, anything at all that would be for people going back to school. And there's a huge demand, uh, Jonathan, people have rang me up that would never say, am I doing it again this year? And could I help them out? So, yeah, that's what we're doing. We do it every year and we get loads of support. People just drop in all sorts of stuff to us and we give it to Dell House, Jonathan, and we give it to Catherine and Penny Dinners and to Coon Lee Refuge. And then there would be a few private people who contact me and know could I help them. Uh, look, and, and you mentioned it, and Joe, it's brilliant that the school books thing is sorted this year. But it's the little yeah. add-ons. It's it's the school bags and the pencil cases and the folders and the and the sharpies and all the other things that you all need. All of that, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And you know, there's more people this year in need of it than there were even last year. And people that you know, the the mortgages have gone up, more interest. They're actually looking for stuff now somebody would have donated to me years ago I'm probably looking for stuff now you know what I mean and it's funny that, that people this happens every year right and we've always talked about the cost this year it's particularly tough Joe very yeah very and I can see even in the salon with the younger generation the newly married or the people with their new houses and after taking on a big mortgage and all that it, it is difficult you know what I mean um 
And they say to me, I said, Jesus, you know, we're, we have a budget of whatever and, you know, they can't, they can't, what's the word? Can't meet us. So they do need help. Everybody needs help at the moment. And I even hate asking Jonathan because there's so much out there. People are finding it hard now to donate. You know what I mean? So I literally say even a fiver, anything like that will all add up. Yeah, uh, like a, a simple thing. So will you, you'll, you'll take the physical goods, but you'll take donations as well. You'll take vouchers for uniforms, all that kind I of thing. I take vouchers, yeah. I don't like to take cash, so I, I would take vouchers and even bring the vouchers into Coonley or give them to the Edel House and the parents can go off then and decide what they want themselves. And what we also do, John, if, if anybody out there, we do free haircuts for the kids going back to school. Okay, and how? And how, we would look after just during the salon. What we do is we set up one day, and we'd look after all the kids going back to school and try to give them, you know, fresh start, new haircut, their new school bags, and the whole thing. Well, Joe, you're a gentleman, a saint, and a scholar for doing all that. You're opposite. You're Glashine Road, opposite Flannery's Bar. If you want to drop in the copy books or indeed some vouchers, we'll make sure they go to the right place. Joe from Joseph's Hair Salon, the finest of all the hair salons on Glashine Road. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Jonathan, thank you very much, my friend. Mind yourself. Have a good weekend. Bye, bye, bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. A free food Friday, uh, of which there is a wonderful batch of roosters, Perry Perry, going to be winging its way to somebody a little bit later on. You have to give people a bit of benefit for creativity. Um, all the girls in HS2 Middleton are dressed up as a Barbie for the Friday of the bank holiday weekend. We would love to be picked for Free Food Friday and we will attach a picture for reference. Now, this is radio, girls, so I cannot share with the good people who are listening how much effort you have put in today to look like Barbie. Barbie slash Spice Girls is what I'm going with from the picture that I'm looking at here, but fair play to you, you're in the mix. Liam from ML Scaffolding Services could very well be dressed like Barbie, but there's no photograph. Could you please put ourselves in for Free Food Friday? We're working on the Murnane O'Shea site in Ballincollig. 20 of us here, a hungry bunch. We could do with the lunch for a pick-me-up. Uh, can I nominate ATS Carrigaline, please? They could do with a treat says someone else a free food Friday for Bardsley Development in Cove also on site Paddy and Adam Lawler Carpenters uh, they could do with a treat as well uh, EIL Intercultural Learning we're an educational charity based on Washington Street you're in there Karen and her colleagues in the pharmacy department of the South Infirmary, Victor South Infirmary Victoria Hospital would love to share some chicken they sent a chicken emoji so again creativity um, Station Road in Blarney Joe's Edge Hair Salon. Um, lovely to hear from you. You're in there too. AP Vaughan Recycling in Tower and Ross Oil in Fernands in um, they, they, they say they're starving and they're, they're, they're asking for the lunch. Nay demanding. Uh, so we'll read more out in a while and we will announce the winner of Free Food Friday in a little bit. Ladies, you're very welcome to the studio. I have three sisters sitting off to me. How are you this morning? Very good. Oh, yeah. Very good. Right. So we're going to talk to you in a minute, but uh, we're going to begin with some music. So in your own time. Cabbages and prams, chickens and hams, you'll buy them up the cold gay. Dealers and shawls, farmers and all, you'll hear them up the cold gay. Buskers sing, bustle and swing, it's the scene of the cold game. Oh, what a fool, I left that old school, I also miss Caddy Barry's. 
Shanna Will. Shanna Will. Well done. Thank you very much indeed. Brenda Deneen Scanlon, Susan Deneen, Suzanne Deneen, and Valerie Deneen Power. Ladies, it's lovely to see you this morning. Good morning to you. Thank Susan. you so much for coming. I'm jumping above that's the monitor. Breda, sorry. I put an extra N in. That's, that's my fault. Breda, Suzanne, and Valerie, you're all welcome. You're three sisters. Yeah, we are. Okay. And you all have the connection to the cold case. So, Breda, we'll begin with you. So, you, uh, you, you all kind of grew up on the cold case, did. didn't you? In, um, we're all from Port Neas Lane. It's just off the Colga. Well, Corn Market Street, but we call it the Colga. <laughs> it is the Colga for well, all intents and purposes. The is down by the river. Yeah. Yeah. What, the, the K, literally. Yeah, I mean, the, people are always fascinated, Suzanne, by the spelling of, of Colga. Because if you say to someone from outside of Cork that Q U A Y is pronounced K, they look at you uh, mm-hmm. kind of yeah. funny. But that's the glory of the Colga, isn't it? Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself, Suzanne, and, and um, I know you, how you met the two girls, but how you started singing. <laughs> well, how they met me, because I'm the eldest. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, and the, be- the original and the best. We're yeah. just going to put that out there. I was actually born on Carmark Street on the Cold Gay. Right. Um, over, um, it was a meat shop, Hemsworth, and I was born in an attic, and the glass was broken there, so when they say, were you born in the barn, shut the gate when, when you go out. I said I was born in an attic and the window was broke so I have a great excuse. Look, <laughs> <laughs> it was a very different place. I, I, I'm not, I'm not you'd, yeah. you'd never ask a lady her age but yeah. it was a very different place growing up to what we know now, I'm presuming. Oh, it was, yeah. What was it like? Uh, there was a lot of, um, well, let Breda take over there. Go on, Breda. <laughs> well, we loved the cold care. We used to go out there nearly every day out to the dealers and we'd be sitting down talking and selling with them, you know. No, it was packed. And Christmas was just beautiful there. But uh, you could get the smell of the Christmas trees and the holly. But brilliant. It was magical out there. It's funny that you talk about it being packed, Valerie. Um, It's been a long time since it's been packed, I would imagine, with what you'd remember from when you were young. Yeah, it was fabulous. Um, We used to go out there... When all the dealers we gone off to Colca and we used to be pretending we were dealers ourselves and we used to pick up the bits of carrots and poppies and we'd say, come on now, missus, give me a bit of hansel there. And many a time we got a dinner out of the food that we picked up from the ground. Yeah. You know? But when I was younger as well, I sold with a man that um, he was from Donegal. He used to have a big coloured umbrella and he sold everything from a copybook to a tool. And I used to get 10 bob on a Saturday when I used to sell with him. And then he used to be up at the top of the Colquay on a Sunday morning and he used to get another 10 bob. But he used to get seven copy books and seven biros then for me sisters and brothers. So I'd imagine it was a hell of an education because uh, oh, yeah. you, you learned everything about life oh, from yeah, the streets that you lived on. Yeah. It was yeah. fabulous. Uh, and Christmas time, as Breda said, is beautiful because you had all the chickens and hens and the whole lot and the, the fresh butter and milk and the smell of the Christmas trees and the holly and ivy it was beautiful because one of the things that people will associate with the cold cane now is that it, it, it's dry goods for the want of a better expression but there were there was there was animals and oh, there was the a whole lot more used to come in yeah and they'd be inside in two more corners or else inside in the what's, what's her name pub uh, Denny's pub yeah all the farmers who went there then for their old rock and you know. <laughs> but it was it was it was just this cultural melting pot, really, Fabulous, wasn't it? Yeah. And do, do you miss that that that's not there anymore? Because oh, yes. I'd hate to say it's been gentrified because there are brilliant businesses down there doing brilliant work, but it's it's very different, Breda, to to what it, it was it, when you were growing up. It. 
and even the younger children now didn't re they don't realise what we grew up with. It's all gone, you know, and we do miss it. There was a phrase that I would have heard all my life growing up associated with the Cold K, which was the Shawleys. Um, to, to the younger audience, of which there's many listening right now, who wants to explain to me what a Shawley is? So, well, well, one of you lead off anyway, because you're all dressed in shawls. Yeah, <laughs> now, there's a different fringe on each of them. Yeah. And that would show what, how, how rich you are. Now, the double decker. No, hang on, back to basics now, because some people might know it all. So shawl, the, the shawl, you're wrapped in the shawl, and yes. they were always black, were they? Yes, and like that's a double-decker now. That's not my original one now. My one is on loan to Cathy Barry play. Right. At the moment, I'll get it back for next week. But the fringe was like that, so that showed that you had money. Okay, so in other words, rich. the more kind of hanging out of it, yes. the, the, the more well-off you were. Yeah. Suzanne that's is wondering, that's the, you know, the poor one. Yeah, that's, so, 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 would you, 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 you sent poor Suzanne in in the worst. Suzanne, that's awful disrespectful, isn't it? For the one who's the eldest in the family, they send you in with the worst shawl. Because pa- they took everything off. They, absolutely, sure. You were, I'm surprised you had any food at all. Um, and Valerie, what have you got on you there now? I'd like say I'm no poor relation. Oh, she's the poor relation. Okay, so. Yeah, Breed Bre- is the only one coming in here with a bit of wealth at all. And, <laughs> now, the reason you're in, girls, is because you have the Colquay Family Festival coming up, which is organised by the Middle Parish and Colquay Historical Society and it's supported by Cork City Council. And um, it just looks brilliant. When was the last time that you managed to put this off? Because I think COVID kind of put the kibosh on it. Oh, was it last year? Yeah, okay, so you had it back last year. We were, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what <clears throat> you're planning on the day. Well, we have it there now. Um, on the day, we leave the North Main Street at about quarter to 12 and the Lord Mayor is going to lead it with us. Um, at 12 o'clock then, the bells will ring from Shandon, the banks of my own lovely Ling. Then we have a priest, our parish priest, will come along and say a few words for all the deceased of the area and the dealers. And the Shawleys then release white doves in their adder. And then it'll go on from there and there's loom band makers, arts and crafts, Mickey and Minnie Mouse, face painting, magic shows, puppet shows and jewellery makers. And all of that is free. All so, free. Yeah, so there's, there's no question of, uh, of anyone making money off it. And no you brought it, no. you brought in a lovely thing for me here, which is, uh, I'd be eating that for a week, I suspect. We'll oh, have to share yeah. that with our colleagues, Toffee oh, Apples. <laughs> Toffee apples, uh, donkey's gudge in there by the look it of it. Is, yes. Yeah, all the good stuff. Yes. Can and I? They'll all be given out free on the day as well. Yeah. Can I ask you what, the one thing I'll say? And there's a photograph here of the Shawleys. Now they're 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 smiling these ladies, and I don't know if you're related to any of them, but I always That's got the. Uh, yeah? That's, That's you. Is that she? That looks like a photograph in the 1940s. Uh, well made. So I can say with confidence that you're happy and smiley in that picture. The impression I was always given was that the Shawleys were tough. Oh, they were. They were. Yeah. They they they, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't cross them like. Oh, no. no. Get a belt shawl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the Peaky Blinders, something built into the bottom of the shawl that you get okay. a lash off. But it was a hard life, I'm guessing, for people uh, who were there yes. working. I mean, they were out. What was it? Five, six days. All, all weathers. All weathers. Yeah. And they had babies and all in under the shawl. Yeah. You know? I mean, it wouldn't be a life if I could say now in the 21st century that you'd choose. No. Oh, it was a very hard life for him. 
Yeah. It, it really is a wonderful story. I mean, one of the things that features, and we're going to sing out on this in a minute, is you have your shawls, but you've got the paper roses as well. What's the significance of the paper roses? Do you want to say that? Valerie? Um, in Antibor, used to make them to just to make a few bob. And, um, like, uh, we were shown how to make the, the paper roses by, what's her name again? Um, Catherine, Catherine, Coffee, Catherine Coffee O'Brien. She showed us how to make <coughs> the paper roses, so we make them every year now, and we bring them along to the, the Colgate Festival. You know, but um, and the paper roses that what you're wearing right yeah, now. I mean, they're, they're wearing, very yeah. intricate. I, I would yeah. say they look like the real McCoy. Really thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. How long does it take to make a paper rose? Oh, a couple of minutes. Couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Now I'd be, I'd be cutting the fingers off me. So you've, you've seen what I've done in here this morning with a few buttons. I'm definitely not qualified to, to do paper roses. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to to give us another bit of music before we finish up. So uh, tell us a little bit uh, about this song. So Paper Roses is a song. How long is this on the go, this song? Is it a Cork? Is this pure Cork, is it? No. No? That would be Maria's husband, is it? Oh, yes, yeah, of course. Paper, that paper rose. Ah, yeah. I'm with you, I'm with you. So, yeah. now, as I said, sure, she's only in the halfpenny place compared to the three ladies sitting in front of me. So, we'll give it one more go. Paper roses in your own time. Hmm. I realise the way your eyes deceived me With tender looks that I mistook for love So take away the flowers that you gave me And send the kind that you remind me of Paper roses, paper roses Oh, how real those roses seem to be But they're only imitations Like your imitation love for me Ah, well done, well done. Uh, Breda Deneen Scanlon, Suzanne Deneen and Valerie Deneen Power all those years singing into the mirror, lads. It finally paid off for you. Uh, the festival, uh, the Cole K Family Festival 2023, back again this year. It is on Saturday the 12th of August uh, from 12pm till 5.30, starting appropriately with the ringing of the bells in Shandon. Ladies, go and meet them, August. Thank you so thank much for coming in to talk to us today and uh, the best of luck with that. And it's wonderful to share a little bit of history there uh, as we talk talk about that. Um, let's talk about something very different now. Um, good morning to you, Phil O'Connor. How are you? Not too bad, Jonathan. How are you getting on? We're going to keep with a little bit of Cork history. You are uh, the... You're, you're looking for something on the Kino, are you? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm on the Kino there and I've recently leased it out to Brazilian people who are doing a super job on the cafe and on the events centre and all this. And Graziella talked to me the other day and she said about changing the mural out front and I said, yeah, a thousand percent there. And she was on about putting up a uh, beautiful of Rory Gallagher. Now, my own, boy, my own wife is Christmas aunt here, and Rory Gallagher down through the years, and she'd be delighted at you know, if we can get something, you know, that, that was in, in very well. Obviously, it should have to be well done, like, you know. And uh, I, I think, like, I think Cork is kind of leaving the way down in the sense that there should be monuments and beautiful uh, all over the place, and really, because I mean, he's the best musician. I did ever produce really guitar there in the last and then um, 
I don't think he's getting the recognition of well, th- th- there is an absolutely wonderful mural of Rory Gallagher down in Cloyne that was uh, made by an artist. Uh, I can't remember his name. We'll try and dig it out for you. But um, mm-hmm. a, a young, young Irish artist. But that kind of thing is is what you're looking for, I presume. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, to, 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 to be getting a lot of recognition, the key, you know, as a fierce kind of, I suppose, iconic building there in the city and loads of people pass up and buy it every day, you know, so... Um, Especially the students from UCC, you know, as well. I think it should be a big drama for the, for the people running the team on the events and things as well, just to highlight it as a as a good music event centre. Um, I think, like, I suppose, first impressions last, like, and, uh, the impressions straight away from a good picture of Rory yeah. up in the front of us. I think should be a big chest for the And I know that there was a woman in, in Dublin who put a ballerina on the front of her house in, in somewhere in South County Dublin and, and they made her take it off uh, for some <laughs> inexplicable reason. Do you need planning permission for something like that? You, you, you Man, are, are indeed woman uh, who, who's oh, out woman there. Indeed, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, and how quickly could you get up and running if there's an artist out there that can put a design together? You, you'd be willing to move on this quickly, would you? Oh yeah, we can discuss the ingestion tomorrow morning. If there's a man there or woman, just say it's no problem. And okay. So, wanted one mural artist for a Rory Gallagher picture on the Kino. Uh, what, what's happening in the Kino now? Because it's a lovely building, and I know it was quiet for a while, and COVID didn't help. So, what's happening in there? Yeah, yeah, COVID kind of, uh, I suppose, killed off the St. Luke's people who were there and they were going very well with COVID, kind of finished those uh, things and we we kind of running there a little night of interest the last year, but these, these Brazilian people are after taking it over now and they're after uh, renovating the whole lot of the inside. The cafe is immaculate, uh, doing great Brazilian food. They've just opened since Monday last, um, and then the cafe part, but the, the, the event centre starts cinema. Yeah, stock of green paste from Katie Radio to put in there. Um, we'll be open, I'd say, probably in about a week's time. And uh, it's, it's uh, like there's a super job done in there now as well. What even to go in and okay. go ahead in just to see, uh, see what they're doing. Because well, they're, yeah, um, and, and yeah, there's yeah. some wonderful food and restaurants uh, along that street. And another, another lovely cafe uh, bringing life back to the Kino. We'll put it out there for you, Phil. If there's someone who can uh, do a decent Rory Gallagher mural, do contact the programme this morning. Thanks very much for that and good luck to the new owners. Of course, Gallagher, we always claim Gallagher is this fantastic Cork export. He actually only moved to Cork when he was eight, uh, but he became very famous. I think he won an event in Cork City Hall uh, around the 1960 mark and that set him on a trajectory where he became uh, as is widely acknowledged the best guitar player in the world um, even those who we would consider to be the best now still hold Rory Gallagher up there so it would be a good idea a nice idea to replicate what they've done in Klein and maybe to do that in Cork stay with us This is the Neil Prenderville Show Text and WhatsApp 086 Cork's Red FM. Oh, it's all about giving away stuff on this program. I tell you, Neil is very, very generous, man. Neil Prentable. Uh, our multi trip blue insurance travel competition. So we have got 250 euros plus one multi trip.com travel insurance policy, European essential individual cover. And all you have to do is to be able to chance to win that prize is have a listen to this because we've three summary songs, if we can call them that. Three 
summary songs and you have to identify the artist and you have to identify the song. So have a listen. Come fly with me. Yes, it's tricky and short and you kind of have it, but are you right though? Listen again. Come fly with me. So, if you want to get your hands on the 250 quid plus one multitrip.com travel insurance policy, their European Essential Individual cover, and you can identify the artists and the songs, ring in now. 0818 104 106. That's 0818 104 106. We're going to take caller number nine on this. So, make sure, if you know what it is, uh, ring us now. 08 18104106 and we will take a caller for the end of the programme and in the spirit of giving uh, Free Food Friday continues all glass windscreens on the Tremor Road after a very long week uh, replacing windscreens one would assume um, Free Food Friday for the hungry hippos in the country farm supplies in Middleton uh, flat to the board keeping all the farmers going hashtag keep it country uh, we love Free Food, Fi- Free Food Friday hard to say at the Bond Scores Catering Department we spend so much time looking after everybody else we forget about ourselves poor Jason uh, appreciate the treat he would say uh, lunch for the Urban Retreat Hair Salon on the Broderick Street in Middleton Amy and Sarah would love to win lunch to share with their customers uh, free food Friday for the lovely ladies in Organic Hair Studio it's a big birthday for Della and she's treated me to the very best hair treatment today ahead of a wedding I would love for them to win from their favourite customer Una, happy birthday, Della. She doesn't tell us what kind of birthday it is, but it sounds significant. Um, I would like to nominate the staff in Little Paradise Crash for Free Food Friday. They could really do it to pick me up this week. That was uh, that's the crash actually that Neil spoke to the owner Tina during the week. They're closing down, so that that is uh, that's a sad one, uh, but it's in the list as well. Free Food Friday for my very special friend, neighbour, and hairdresser Valerie Walsh because she deserves to win. She's one in a million. Really works hard with all her clients in the salon doing their hair. She's absolutely amazing at the Millennium Hair Restoration Week Clinic in Blackpool. I'd really love if she won it. Um, she would do anything for anybody. The other staff are amazing as well. D.B. Schenker, uh, Keen is celebrating news. He's becoming a dad. Congratulations to you, Keen. Um, so he's asking uh, they put in there. And one more on this. Um, free Food Friday for me, ma'am, Carol O'Connor working at the Dean Hotel. I'd like to nominate them to win this food. All the hard-working accommodation staff getting the rooms and the penthouses ready for the busy, long weekend. So they're all in and we're going to announce the winner of Free Food Friday, which is very hard to say at speed. Uh, we'll be announcing that at the end of the programme. There's a reason why Neil reads it out really slowly. Um, Mark is with us on the line this morning. Good morning to you, Mark. How are you? Hello. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong line. Let's see if we can find... Uh, 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 oh, that's our co- oh, you're our comp winner on line two. You're going to call her number nine. How are you? How are you? I'm Christina. very. What's your name? Christina. Christina. I'm very bad at this. I'm getting there you're slowly fine. but surely. So you have the chance now of 250 quid uh, plus the multi trip travel insurance policy. Have you gone anywhere in the Holly Bobs yet? No, but we're due to go in September, so this will be super. Oh, that's very good. So 250 for spending, and then you've got yeah. the holiday insurance as well. So you have yeah. to identify the three artists and the three songs here. So have a listen again. Come fly with me. Right, so off with you. Okay, so the first one, Come Fly With Me, Frank Sinatra. The that's right. The second one, it, 
is Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, which is Will Smith. And the last one, Walking on Sunshine, Katrina and the Waves. Well, I'm very glad that you explained the whole Will Smith thing, because I would have been completely at sea had you not explained that to me. <laughs> no, I, can, I love that song. I, I can tell you, Christina, that you were right. Yep. Well done. Congratulations to you. You have won that €250 plus your multitrip.com travel insurance policy for your European Essential Individual cover. That'll help the holiday go a bit better. It will, of course. Thank you so much. No problem. Absolutely lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much uh, for having the chat with us there this morning and giving us the detail on that. Right, now we are going to Mark. Hiya, Mark. Uh, Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Lovely to talk to you. You're talking about vapes this morning. You're very worried that they've become so common. Yeah, the, uh, like last few months, I've observed that, like you know, it, it's, uh, the the selling of vapes in the city has exponentially increased. Like uh, because I stay in North Main Street, and uh, in North Main Street itself, it's a small street though, but uh, on North Main Street itself, there are uh, six outlets uh, which sell vapes. You know, so it's it's been growing exponentially among uh, kids and the youngsters as well. Like. I mean, this is something that it's kind of worrying me because uh, I've got young kids as well and vaping is the new smoking in many ways because they seem to all be doing it even though, I mean, there's no point and there's no need to do it. So what what kind of age profile, what age people have you seen smoking these vapes? Uh, gen- generally youngsters, like, you know, uh, because when I'm coming back from work, like uh, at uh, outside uh, uh, the city library and all, there's a huge congregation of, uh, of youngsters, like they must be in, uh, uh, in their early teens or late teens, like and uh, most of them, like uh, everyone has a uh, has a vape in their hand and they are busy with their vapes and uh, chatting with their friends. But the vaping is just catching up with uh, that age group, like you know, uh, in the late teens or the early teens, like. Mm. I, you you say you've seen restaurants that are starting to sell them as well. Yeah, there, there's some restaurants on on the on where the uh, on in. Uh, uh, in in the main city itself, like uh, of the fast food restaurants, and at the back of the uh, back of the point of sale counter, uh, they have uh, they are selling vapes. So they are like you know, mm-hmm. possibly it is uh, to it to attract the night uh, the crowd uh, who are partying at night and all. But uh, they are selling them during the daytime as well. Like, okay. When it is frequented. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to get you to move a little bit there because that phone line's gone a bit wonky. But I, I, it says on the screen here, Mark, that you've been living here for the last couple of years. You're originally from India, from Goa. Um, yeah. Your, your yeah. home country has recently changed the law, has it? Uh, from 2019, it's... Uh, Do you know what? That, that that line is a bit wonky, Mark. I'm going to ring you back if that's okay. We're going to get the team uh, to give you a quick shout back there because uh, I want to talk about this because one of the things that frustrates me is that you... It, it's very, very hard to deal with this because these vapes are kind of omnipresent. They're everywhere. They're, I mean, they're, they're everywhere in shops. We know that. Um, and we know as well that you can buy them uh, at gigs. One of the things that frustrated me about going to Musgrave Park last year, I don't know if they were there this year, was one of the first things you went across the threshold, you were met with a vape shop. And I'm kind of sitting there going, why is there a vape shop at a concert? Other than the fact they were just trying to flog these things to people who were there. Uh, if, if you were really that inclined to have a vape, would you not kind of bring it with you from home? Because the original idea here was that they are uh, stop smoking aid, that they'll get you off the fags as opposed to um, kind of make it worse. Mark, you're back with us again. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, okay, the line I is better there. Better well. so, so tell me a little bit about what they've done in India, Mark. 
in, in India, the, the, from 2019, the vapes uh, selling, uh, advertising, and manufacturing of vapes is banned. Uh, but there is a black market because you know uh, India being a large country, it is difficult to uh, to control it uh, and to police it as well. Uh, but uh, uh, but there is a black market uh, and it is illegal uh, to uh, buy or to sell, uh, even to import vapes from other countries as well. Like. But the, 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 what's important to remember about these is that they contain nicotine. They contain one of the most addictive substances on the planet. Um, and they're being sold like they were bars of chocolate. Yeah, but uh, nicotine uh, on its own, I, there's not a conclusive study that, you know, it causes any harm. But, you know, but uh, the vapes itself, the vape contains uh, other other uh, synthetic chemicals like aldehydes and all. That's what they say on the Internet, uh, which can be dangerous. And there is no conclusive study whether uh, it can uh, it can harm. So... Uh, uh, it's not like a cigarette which contains star and benzene, which is carcinogenic. But uh, there's no conclusive study whether, whether uh, it can harm a person on the long term. Yeah, but, but, the point, is, yeah, but it, do, it, it is the point I'm making, Mark. It's addictive. So if you buy one, you're more likely to buy another one and another one and another one. And it becomes a very expensive habit very quickly. Yeah, and uh, people who smoke and people who vape, uh, it's uh, like the vaping is causing more addiction than uh, than cigarette because people smoke inside the house and everywhere, and just uh, they and you don't have to uh, lit it every time, so uh, they are more addictive. Uh, it is more addictive than uh, smoking uh, a cigarette. I I think so. That. Yeah, yeah. I know that yeah. you, you and your wife both work in healthcare. You have a young child as well. Are you worried that your child will see so many other people vaping and think that it's okay in a way that smoking no longer is? Uh, my child is like you know seven years old. But you know, uh, sometimes when uh, he finds a vape, which is a used vape, fallen on the street, he knows that it's a vape. Uh, I'm surprised to know that how he knows it. Like you know, and. Uh, and a few months back when he was in school, uh, they got a circular from HSE saying that uh, uh, there is an increase in, uh, in, in vaping in school. Uh, so that, that's quite worrisome. Mm. Do you think they should be banned here like they are in India? Uh, the, the, the law is like, you know, that uh, the, uh, I was just going through citizen information and uh, the law is like uh, uh, tobacco and the sale of other, such product uh, which contains nicotine should be banned, and though they are visibly uh, not banned, their visibility should be uh, restricted. And uh, but I have seen, like you know, the the visibility of uh, of these uh, shops is not restricted. Uh, they are they are selling on main streets, and they have very fancy names like Smoke City and Vape Ireland, and all those uh, like very fancy names. Uh-huh. Uh, and they are, they have bright lights in their shops, and they are uh, displayed through the glass uh, glass windows outside. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, look, Mark, I, I completely share your opinion, Mark, and I'd love to know yeah. what people listening now, what they think. Oh, eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Because if if you were to kind of launch a product uh, onto the market to say this product is going to be flavored like bubblegum, um, and yeah. it's going to be shiny and colory, but yeah, I tell you what, funny story. You're going to be addicted to this for the rest of your life if you're not careful. Yeah. I, I don't think we'd allow that product onto the market yet. 
here they are available in every supermarket, in every shop, in restaurants, in takeaways, at concerts. And I think it's really worrying. And not only that, they're possibly the worst thing for the environment because they're single use and they contain a little battery and they contain things that are going to last for a long time after they're thrown away. Look, Mark, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us and sharing us uh, with that uh, concern that you have. Are we overplaying it? Are they grand? Do you think that there's no harm in them? Do the people who use them even know this isn't good for me? But a little bit like cigarettes, it's very hard to stop. Let us know what you think. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. The Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Cannot find a way to unwind or trust your mind. Why don't you just run away? Life's rough, it gets more tough, it drags you through the thickest mud. You know, the rain will wash all that away.
Well, there we go. Mark Daly uh, from the Ravens and his bandmate James Brown. What a great name, James. Uh, Mark, how are you? Very good. How are you? It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming in. That, that's your own music, isn't that's it? That's an original tune, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves because you've been knocking around with the Ravens for a bit. Yes, we've been uh, touring around the last few years. Uh, released that EP. We've got a run on it in December. And we've been out to the US with it and about to release a new uh, maxi single with three new tracks. And that's out on August 11th and we're going back to the US again to tour that. I mean, like, it's, 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 a, it's a tough market to start in, right? You, you could start over here and move there, but you, you're, you're doing it in reverse. You're trying to break yeah, the States. Yeah, we don't really even get to play much in Ireland. It's kind of mostly the States um, for the last few years and that's kind of where it's, where it's all going well. How has it started for you? Um, how's the... How did it start in America? No, music in general. Oh, I mean, music? Yeah, oh, back um, to basics. I, I actually started when I lived out in Spain. Uh, I lived out in a place called Cabaroig. And, oh, uh, I know Cabaroig. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I holiday in Lasagna, which is oh, down around you, the Oh, yeah, Paddy's Point. Paddy's Point. Point. <laughs> yeah. I know, well, um, yeah, I used to play all those bars around there, uh, playing in cover, cover bands, and then um, started writing original songs and ended up, you know, doing it full-time then. Okay, and when you're gigging like that, it, it's it's tough, uh, like when you're on the road in the states, um, like what kind of audiences are you playing to? Like I suppose on average, what are we looking at, James? Like maybe five hundred a night, five hundred to a thousand, five hundred to a thousand a night, and uh, which is lovely, like beautiful yeah. <laughs> theaters with amazing sound systems, and uh, we're very, very fortunate to be doing those kind of tours. Uh, what, what kind of response are you getting from those audiences? Because if they don't know the Ravens, uh, or obviously they do, because you're building a fan base, but you know, m- music fans out there, they're picky. It's uh, the, honestly the response is like blowing our minds. We go down to the the merchandise booth after the show, and there's a queue of people buying um, our stuff. And I'm like, is this real life? Is this really <laughs> happening right now? I was like, who's who's paid you to come up here? And it's just it's going from strength to strength. Thank God. Uh, you're supporting Jeff Tate as well, so there's yes. a the, the crowd coming to see him as much as there is a crowd coming to see you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, we've been lucky that his fan base have taken us in with open arms and and really, really just it's been incredible. Um. Let's talk about uh, inspiration because we were talking a little bit earlier about Rory, right? And it was—it's funny when people are saying and somebody texted in with the great idea of going. Uh, they asked Jimi Hendrix who was the best guitar player, and they said you better ask Rory. Yeah. Um. You know, you're coming from a, a Cork base. You're from Crookstown, where people will always hold you to really high standards. So, who's your inspiration? Inspiration. Uh, throughout, I, I suppose when I was a, when I was younger, I was a big Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, ELO fan. Uh, James, what your ones were? You'd be uh, Rory Gallagher as yeah, well. Yeah, I'd definitely include Rory Gallagher in my influences. And again, also Pink Floyd as well. Um, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, a lot of the kind of blues guys. But yeah, Rory Gallagher was always kind of someone who was always on the top of that list for me too. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's just up there with such a high standard. It, and it, ask anyone who's ever played a guitar who knows what yeah. it's like to listen. Exactly. They'll, all, they'll always put Rory up there. Um, wh- where does this go for you, James? Because, I mean, you heard, uh, your, your voice, by the way, has this incredible rasp to it oh, uh, that that, I'm, that doesn't come easy yeah. uh, I mean uh, for me to do that I would have to go out into a smoky environment drink 20 <laughs> pints and the following day maybe sound remotely I was like really that. trying to hold back on it as well I was like I'm on, it's early enough on the radio <laughs> so, I mean, but it's, it's that rasp and that power that, that kind of gives your voice that unique nature so when when did you realise you had that I, I, honestly I was, I was a bass player for a band first and I didn't sing and then the singer of the band left and I was like someone's got to sing and I was like well, I'll give it a go and then I was like oh I can 
I can throw a bit of rasp onto this and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, normally you hear that, I remember Michael Bublé one day telling about the, the story, very, very different genre of music. Yeah. But he, I remember he said one day he was asked to sing in the back of his, the back of the car and all of a sudden this voice came out and his family looked at him going, mother of God, where do, where do we get your man from? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there was always that moment as well where you probably knew that you had this because you'd sang in front of the mirror but you'd never sang it out loud. Yeah, I think once you get up to a microphone and belt it out, you're like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know I could do it's different to singing in the shower, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm taking from this that you're you're enjoying it, and it, I'm just thinking of all the great musicians that are coming through Cork at the moment, like Ian DeCrow, who is just going on to do incredible things, like yourselves, is, is touring in the States, supporting other actors, hanging outside the window of an of Plunkett Street last I, night. I saw the videos. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, that in its own right shows you that there is opportunity for someone who's coming from Ireland. I mean, obviously you're from Kilkenny, uh, James, and Mark, you're, you're from Cork. Yeah. Irish bands are well-received, aren't Great they? And, and you witnessed that when you went to the States. Absolutely. And I think that Irish connection straight away, it's just, um, it's amazing. And there's so many um, artists right now going out there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And it's going down really well, so it's, it's amazing. Uh, we're going to play out uh, with uh, a, a bit of music we'll talk about just in a second, but there's just uh, some breaking news that I'm going to bring you as well from the courts. Uh, the Sunday World is just uh, reporting uh, that the state has been successful. This is Alison O'Reardon's copy in pursuing the oldest murder prosecution in the Irish history with a jury this morning finding a 74-year-old sex offender guilty of murdering vulnerable Cork woman Nora Nora Sheehan 42 years ago seven men and four women unanimously accepting the prosecution case that Noel Long who has a conviction from the 70s uh, is guilty of murder they agreed with the state's case that the evidence in the trial all pointed to the inescapable conclusion that the mother of three had met her death in June 1981 at the hands of Long so that was a cold cold case that has resulted in a murder conviction I know Neil has been covering that story a little bit over the last while uh, sorry for that interruption lads no we're going to in the last while uh, um, we've referenced Sinead, she's in the papers again this morning, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. There isn't an Irish person alive who hasn't been touched by that. Yeah. Um, as a musician, when you heard of her passing, what, what went through your mind? Um, I was shocked when I heard uh, that she passed and I was like, Sinead, I, I remember when I was, <laughs> it's an embarrassing story actually, but I, when I was about three or four years old when Nothing Compares to You came out and apparently... My family said it used to come on and I used to get very emotional in the car when it came on the radio. And it was the first song that ever like... Hit you. Yeah, hit me. And yeah. I was even at that age and uh, it was very, very sad to hear of her passing. Okay, well, we're going to play out in uh, just a minute with that. Uh, actually, yeah, what we'll do is we'll take a break. Oh, no, we won't take a break. See, I don't know what I'm doing. It's great. Live radio. We're going to play out with this and we'll finish it with the ad break. So what I want to do is uh, nothing compares to you guys. We'll let you take it away. Thank you very much. I 
Thank you so much, Mark Daly and James Brown from The Ravens. Your new single is out soon and music today, thanks to Owen Hennessy and Live Music Productions. Guys, we're going to hear a lot more from you. Thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Oh, mad late. I'm mad late. Anyway, we have to give away free food Friday, so let us say hello to the girls who are working hard. We've got Lisa Lil, Ashlyn, Kira, Leslie and Rosalind in the HS two hair salon in Middleton. How are you doing, lads? Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well. Now, you've all dressed up as Barbie today because you sent us the photographic evidence. Um, <laughs> and, and are you still dressed as Barbie? Oh, for the whole entire day until nine o'clock tonight, we'll be dressed in Barbie. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you won't get bored of it at any stage. To win the prize, no. it's very simple. If you want the Roosters Piri Piri Free Food Friday, I want the biggest cheer as possible. I want to hear you from Middleton. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. I, I, wait, wait. I didn't say cheer yet. You've, you've gone too early. I, I want the biggest cheer possibly on the count of three. One, two, three. 
Yeah, not not a bit of hair done there now. It's all gone hard around for the HS2 Hair Salon in Middleton. Congratulations. Thank you very much. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.